And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. We are live on the air here on this Thursday, the 12th of March. We certainly hope you will enjoy this show. We have a lot on tap here tonight to get you covered. Don't forget, you can always interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Join us on Twitter, or I'm sorry, or, or via email, Hoopsville. At D3Hoops.com, all screening or streaming at the bottom of your screen. Uh, It is sectional weekends, and we got your sectionals, as it were. Lots to talk about here, and we will try and give you kind of your last previews, as it were. If you have not gotten a chance to check out many of the um, articles that are already going on um, on D3Hoops.com, I certainly encourage you to do that. There are some terrific articles there. Um, running the gamut, uh, Thomas Moore, who else? Um, Johns Hopkins, great story on them. Um, I love the five misconceptions of, of, of Thomas Moore. Terrific story there. Of course, uh, also story about Northwestern and, and the like. Of course, if you missed any of our efforts in the last couple of weeks, you can go to our archives at d3hoopsville.com and catch up with many of the interviews we've had there. As well, of course, we will be covering it all at D3 Hoops and Hoopsville between now and the championships. Championships will be crowned in Grand Rapids, Michigan at Calvin College on the women's side and in Salem, Virginia at the Salem Civic Center In on the men's side for yet another time. I can tell you the plans for Hoopsville, at least. Uh, we'll be on the air Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern time to wrap up the sectionals and start looking ahead at the championship weekends. And then, of course, on um, that'll start at seven on Sunday. Thursday, we will be on the air. Looks like start time of six p.m. A little bit earlier, six p.m. start time. Special live edition of Hoopsville. Not that we're not always live, but a special uh, on-site produ- uh, production of Hoopsville in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, at our second annual coaches' reception. Teaming up with the NABC um, to hold a reception for the coaches who are in town and say hello to them. We'll conduct a show there as well. Only difference is we will not be um, video streaming that show. Uh, there will be a graphic, and you'll hear the audio. Not video streaming. we got to get pr- production gear in a lot of different places, and it is just a little bit too cumbersome when it is uh, pretty much a one-man show, getting that all taken care of. Um, Pat, myself, and I are down there, plus some others, but the ones who put the production together are myself and and Pat to some extent, and it is just a little overwhelming to try and set some things up on Thursday, then go do Hoopsville Thursday evening, then go back Friday and set some more things up before we do a shows on Friday, um, and then Saturday and whatnot. So I'm going to try and uh, take a little bit of a shortcut this time and leave some of the production gear um, set up ahead of time on, on Thursday for Friday, which means we will just not have any video uh, to stream um, at Hoopsville. Hope you don't mind. To be honest with you, you're probably more interested in what we're saying than what you're seeing. So just to save us the hassle and the amount of time it takes to set up the gear as well, we're going to skip the video on Thursday, but we will be on the air 6 o'clock next Thursday with a special Hoopsville. I will depart at one point during that show. Pat will take over, and then uh, I may get back before the show ends. We shall see. Of course, we'll be live as well at the Salem Civic Center on Friday and Saturday with pregame and pre-festivity efforts um, and, of course, post-game wrap-up 
as well here on Hoopsville and D3Hoops.com. Let's talk about the guests that we have lined up today. And we have a jam-packed show. And as a result, we are extended show. We'll go at least three hours tonight, if you can believe it. On the men's side, we'll have 20th-ranked St. John Fisher, 24th-ranked St. Olaf. Also talk to Trinity, Connecticut men's basketball, and the 8th-ranked Stevens Point squad. We'll talk to the head coaches from those four squads. And on the women's side, talk to three schools. We'll talk to the third-ranked um, George Fox women's basketball team. And of course, Eastern Connecticut and the 11th-ranked Salisbury Seagulls. Seven guests here tonight. That's why it's going to be a three-hour show, to say the least. We will go a little bit into overtime if you're tuning in, Phil. Um, of course, we'll answer your questions, so if you want to ask them, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. The order of the guests, if if memory serves, if we got this, I, f- I forgot to write it down, so I don't have my cheat sheet in front of me, which I normally do. We will first hear from number eight, Stevens Point Pointers. Uh, we will then shift into some women's basketball and talk to Eastern uh, Salisbury and then Eastern Connecticut. Uh, then we will talk to um, Trinity, St. Olaf, St. John Fisher, and then back on the men's side, and then back to women's for George Fox. That is the order of our guests this evening. Of course, at the end of the show, we will wrap things up as well here, and we certainly hope you will uh, you'll join us if you have any questions or any thoughts you'd like to share with us. Please don't hesitate. Uh, it's a, le- a lot easier to do it this way. So, again, Twitter at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, let's talk about where some of us at D3Hoops are going to be. Uh, Gordon Mann will be joining Adam Turr at Thomas More to catch that incredible bracket of women's basketball. So they will see the St. Thomas versus Hope game and then the Thomas More versus Wash U game. Terrific basketball there. Um, combination of what? Five losses, I think, in there. Is that correct? Thomas Moore and St. Thomas undefeated. I think WashU has maybe two losses, maybe maybe a single loss. I can't remember. Sorry, folks. I would I should have that in front of me. Um. And then of course, uh, the Hope women, uh, playing some darn good basketball too. So, uh, WashU has two losses. I, I was right on that. And then Hope has four, so six losses, in that group grouping there. Pat Coleman will be in Boston. He will be at Babson and Tufts. I don't know exactly what games he's coming to or or whatnot. I think he thinks he's going to get to about three and a half of the potential six games, uh, which is about what I would think. I don't know which ones in particular he's tackling, but he will be in Boston for those two sectionals. I will be at Randolph-Macon uh, for that sectional on the men's side, that men's sectional Featuring the number one ranked Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets taking on the number 20 ranked St. John Fisher uh, Cardinals. And, of course, it'll be uh, number 10 Dickinson versus number 9 Virginia Wesleyan. I don't know about the other sectionals, but it is a, I think Stevens points the same way, but it is a split session on Friday at Randolph-Macon. And I already know the Randolph-Macon St. John Fisher game is sold out. Well over 1,400 people will be jam-packed into that place. That means it is going to be warm. That place is a bit of a furnace when there's a lot of people in there. Not sure about the Virginia Wesleyan Dickinson game, but I highly suspect that will be well uh, visited as well, especially since Virginia Wesleyan is so close. But Dickinson travels pretty decently themselves. Those games are at 5 and 8 o'clock, so a big split between those two so they can clear the gym out and then 
bring more people in. I will be helping with the video broadcast there at Randolph-Macon and looking forward to it. On Saturday, it is a 7 o'clock game. Um, you can get all those game times and such, of course, by going to d3hoops.com. We'll have plenty of links there throughout. Um, one thing to keep in mind is just how many good teams are playing this weekend, and even those unranked are not receiving votes. And that's the significance about Eastern Connecticut this weekend is uh, some of them, you know, Eastern Connecticut not even getting any votes in the top 25. Um, and so, you know, here's a little bit of a dark horse. Can they pull off another upset? Um, you know, they already pulled off some upsets <laughs> uh, of uh, Scranton and then Baruch. I think they brought Baruch's 21-game winning streak to an end. Uh, I think it was 21 game is what I'm trying to say. I know they brought it to an end, but it's a it's a rematch for Eastern Connecticut. We'll talk to their head coach about that. Eastern Connecticut uh, played Tufts uh, fifth game of the season. They were four and zero at the time. That started a four game slide. We'll talk to their head coach about that. That's you know fascinating for Eastern Connecticut. They've certainly seen Tufts. They're probably not all that uh, thrown off by Tufts at this point. So looking forward to seeing where they may p- play it out, as it were. And how that will turn out. Uh, of course, that's in the upper right-hand corner of the women. The Tufts are hosting that. Um, by the way, the other side of that will be FDU Florham and Geneseo. FDU Florham, Mark Mitchell, in an article with uh, Around the Nation columnist Rob Knox, talked about being frustrated that his team is on the road. Uh, let me call up the direct quote so I don't misquote him per se. Um Let's hold on. Where is the article? Here we go. Um, give me a moment. Here we go. This is one of those many articles we had in uh, on D3Hoops.com that is absolutely terrific. Um, but Mark's quote was, um, oh, i got to call up one more link. Sorry. Here we go. Mark's quote is, to me it matters. My team, they are very really humble, and our coaches try to be humble. But at some point we feel that there's a disrespect there, uh, that there is a disrespect there towards our program. We've had this feeling all season long. Even though we were number one for most of the season, we always felt the people were waiting for us to fall. We never have a unanimous number one in anybody's poll. I gotta double check the women's poll there. I'm pretty sure they were not unanimous on number I mean they were unanimous number one most of the way. So forgive me here while I quickly check this out. I'm 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 very curious. They may not have been, and that's and that's certainly understandable i see 18 votes i see 20 21 22 21 23 so yeah they weren't unanimous at any point and i would argue with them yes sure i think a lot of people were waiting for them to fall because i you know everybody's waiting for the undefeated team to fall we're waiting for four of them or three of them or four of them on the women's side right now to fall but to say that his quote that i have a problem with here is um, and when talking about this, he goes on to say, um, qu- quietly, we felt like, here we go again. It's a one point loss on the road to a very good team. And two of my starters didn't play. Now we're on the road. It's a principal thing. My team has been playing with that chip on their shoulder all season long, basically talking about the fact that they're not happy. They're on the road. I have a problem with that. Um, I have a problem with the way he considers that they should be respected more and not they should be traveling, or they shouldn't be traveling this weekend. Um, the article's pretty terrific, and, and the players have some wonderful quotes in here. Um, but I, I don't.
think, I mean, listen, they lost a game. And in the Atlantic region, they were matched up with Montclair State, who had also lost a game. But the criteria for for FDU put them, was it 0. .22? 0. .022. 0. .022 SOS behind Montclair State. And their loss was not to as significant. Eastern was not as ranked as high as, as the loss at Montclair took to Richard Stockton. So I'm, I'm a little confused why he thinks that automatically means he gets to stay home, especially when he's in a bracket with Tufts, who's got much better criteria, also with one loss. Tufts' loss was to Scranton, who finished one or two in their region. And their SOS was significantly higher. So I'm a little confused why he thinks it's disrespectful that his team has to hit the road this weekend. The criteria is the criteria. You got to and listen. He sat two of his starters apparently for half the game against Eastern. Not part of the criteria. Lost by one point in overtime. They probably looked at that, sure. But he parked his his starters. That's his decision. Whatever decision he did to park his scene, his two of his starters for that game, and that is on him. Did it cost him the game? Maybe. I have no idea. We can't say if it did or didn't, but that's to then say that the NCA is disrespecting them, and he's basically alluding to that because they're hitting the road this weekend, is disrespectful. There is criteria out there, and if you don't understand how that criteria works, or you don't care to understand how that criteria works, I've got I I, I got no sympathy. I know Mark well. I've I've. I've seen Mark in person on a number of occasions. We've had him on the show on a number of occasions. We thought about inviting him on the show tonight, but I didn't feel like giving him the soapbox to rail on the NCAA necessarily and the coaches and administrators who made these decisions. They made the decisions within the criteria. Anybody who understands how this works, including myself, knew they were going to be on the road. And by the way, they've been second in the regional rankings since the week two regional rankings. If you can't look at a week two regional rankings and see yourself ranked two and still think you're going to be home the second weekend, barring upsets, you're nuts. Of course Montclair State's going to host this weekend. Of course Tufts is hosting this weekend. Thomas Moore is hosting this weekend. Of course they are. Calvin's hosting. The only one who's got a beef in this is George Fox. George Fox has better criteria than almost everybody here, and they are not at home. But... They also understand, as much as they're not happy, and you'll hear from Coach Meeks about this later, they also understand that that's how this works. But for FDU Florham's, FDU Florham coaching staff to be upset and think they're being disrespected by the NCAA by hitting the road and going to Tufts this weekend, I'm sorry. Nothing there. Bunch of hogwash. And Mark, if you're listening, all due respect, my friend. But you know that. You know that. And I know you know that. I know there have been conversations. And you know why you're on the road. To play the disrespect card is not legit. Are people waiting for you to fall all season? Of course. You don't think people were waiting for Wash U to fall during their incredible run of undefeated, Mark? You don't think people are waiting for Amherst women's basketball to lose a game at home? Of course there are. Of course there are. 
Mark, I've seen you in person. I can't believe you only have one loss this season. Your team's a tremendously great team, but you walk a high wire. You nearly lost to Stevens Point and Platteville, and they finished in the middle of the WIAC this season. I know you know why you're on the road. And to still play the disrespect card is ridiculous. Yeah, you're on the road. You're going to have to beat Tufts at their place. And Tufts is, is a tough team. But you proved last year you can beat some pretty good teams. You did it on the road, too. Just go do it again. It is tough to be a champ in this league. But just because you're champ does not give you the ability to stay at home. Um, The defending national champs in men's basketball is Wisconsin Whitewater. They were at home and they lost in the first round. Williams finished second in that in the last year and finishing a buzzer beater away from a championship. They didn't make the tournament. Is that disrespectful to Williams? No, the criteria didn't match up. Last year is all great for headlines and last year is all great for the title that's in your championship trophy case. It means nothing when it comes to criteria unless you're in division three football. It can play a role in Division Three football. It's not playing a role now. So I'm a little miffed that FDU Florham is trying to play the we're being disrespected card. You lost a game. You put yourself in that boat by not starting two seniors, and I suspect the seniors put you in that boat by doing whatever it was that got them taken out of a game for half. Eastern beat you fair and square. And Eastern beating you with an SOS in the 520s compared to Montclair State's who SOS was in the 550s is how the cookie crumbles. You were second in the regional rankings as of week two, I believe. Maybe it was week three, but I'm pretty sure it was week two. How you think you're staying at home. It doesn't matter what bracket you're in. If you are in the in the Tufts bracket, if you're in the Thomas Moore bracket, if you're in the Montclair State bracket... It does not matter. You weren't going to be in the Calvin bracket because you're too far away. If you're in any of those three brackets, and even Thomas Moore is too far away, you're on the road, period. You needed upsets. You needed Tufts to lose. If Tufts had lost, you're at home. Though, well, they might have been up against Geneseo State. That would have been an interesting comparison. I should have looked at those numbers. If you were, if Mon- if you were in the Montclair State side and Montclair State lost, you'd probably be at home. You're not. You're on the road. You're in Boston. Go win. Quit playing the disrespect card. Plenty of guests ahead tonight. Lots to talk about here in Division Three men's and women's basketball. Coming up next, we'll talk to Wisconsin Stevens Point men's basketball coach Bob Semley. Also ahead on the show, in order, we will talk to Salisbury women's basketball coach Kelly Lewandowski. Talk to Eastern women's basketball coach. Um, I apologize. So they call a mind blank. Denise Beerley. Those are the next three on the docket. Then coming up after that, we will talk to Trinity men's basketball coach James Cosgrove. Then we'll talk to St. Olaf men's basketball coach Dan Kosmoski. Followed by 
St. John Fisher men's basketball coach Ron Corniker. And we'll finish up the night with George Fox women's basketball coach Michael Meeks. And then we will wrap up the show. That's all ahead here on Hoopsville. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Ryan Scott tweets, says, those FDU starters played the whole second half and the game went to overtime. The first half isn't really an excuse. No, you're right, Ryan. I would just argue, I would just point out that if they had started, maybe the game doesn't go to overtime because they have a bigger lead at halftime or aren't digging out of them, themselves out of a hole. I completely agree, though. Uh, not starting your starters in the first half, again, was your own decision. You made your own bed. You ended up losing the game, whether the starters had a role, not starting the game had a role in that or not. It, uh, we can't have revisionist history here. It's impossible. We don't know how it would have turned out. But then to say, well, because uh, that's our only loss, we didn't start our starters. Not part of the criteria. And never will be, by the way. That was your own disciplinary decision. Live with it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Wisconsin Stevens Point men's basketball coach Bob Semling talks to us about his pointers in the rematch with Emory. And the unknown, should they win on Saturday? You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, in part by the City of Salem. For tickets to the Men's Basketball Championship Weekend, make sure you go to NCAA.com slash tickets. You can also go there for the women, but especially the men, where Hoopsville will be. And also by viewers like you, who have taken the time to donate to our show. Our fundraiser is officially over in the sense that we met our goal by our deadline. However, it is in demand, and you can still make a contribution if you so choose, we actually had a little bit of a Christmas here at the studios today as we bought a few things that we needed for the coming weekends, and thanks to your donations, able to do that. When we come back, Stevens Point men's basketball, Bob Semling. You're listening to Hoops, so we'll be back with more right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title, to become NCAA national champions, and you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia, hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying the show on this Thursday, the 12th 
of March. We'll be talking or watching plenty of basketball in less than 24 hours, and we hope you'll be enjoying the games as well. If you can't get to them, you certainly can watch them online, and they, um, for most part, seen some pretty good efforts by those out there. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Tonight we're talking to a lot of the teams who are on the road, kind of the road warriors, as it were, but we're also talking to a couple home teams. Um mainly because sometimes that's just the team we hadn't talked to uh, in the pod of teams. A great example of that be on the men's side in the lower right-hand corner. We've talked to East Texas Baptist. We talked to Northwestern on Sunday. We've talked to Emory some point this season. We hadn't had a chance to talk to the great Bob Semling of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, so we figured we'd better get him on the horn just to make sure uh, and talk to him this weekend. They are hosting the big pod uh, that does feature uh, the two uh, the two Cinderella's, as it were, East Texas Baptist and, of course, Northwestern. And, of course, they've got Emory coming up uh, to them, and it, it's a rematch. So Coach Bob Semling joining us here on Hoopsville. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. I can't believe I'm saying this, but for the first time this season, sir. Well, thank you, Dave. It's good to be with you. This is a good time at the end of the year. It means we're yeah. still playing. This is a good time to be talking. Exactly. That's what. It, that's a common <laughs> theme. Most people are happy to hear from me a second time, or in your case, be able to talk to me in March. Uh, it is a good time to be chatting, which means you are still playing. Um, listen, 14 NCAA tournaments now. You're in your ninth straight, a record of 32-10. and 10. When I looked that up, it kind of took me back. Some people have pointed out that uh, once you get to Salem, you're unbeatable. But you get got to get to Salem first, and you guys have Emory on the on the horizon here Friday, and then obviously if you can win that one more game. But from this point, for, before we get to this weekend, how's the season gone? I think you and I talked at one point. If we didn't, I know I was talking to those in the area who all thought you guys might take a step back in your terms because you did have a, a young team which lost a lot of great talent from last year, and I would say you guys kind of flew under the radar for a little bit. Well, Dave, I think I think that was the misnomer that a lot of people thought that we were going to be young, and actually it's quite different. We have four seniors who have played since their freshman year, albeit these guys have all been role players, and now this year we've expected them to step up and be more prominent players on both ends of the floor, but... Um, you know, we, we have four seniors and two juniors in our top six, and we've been riding those six guys all year long. Yeah, some of those guys in particular I know you're proud of right now are Joe Ritchie, uh, Alex Richard, and, of course, the other two are Austin Riff and Jordan Lutz. Um, when you when you look at this squad, you talk about them playing. They certainly have the experience. Uh, almost everybody has experience at Stevens Point of going deep in the NCAA tournament. Um, but you talk about a squad who last year you had the likes of Tyler Tillema and, and others, uh, Trevor Haas and, and such. And I guess these four, and Richie, Richard, Riff, and Lutz, kind of kind of were you know off the radar. I guess maybe people didn't truly appreciate how much experience those guys had coming back. They were tremendous role players, Dave, and we don't win back-to-back conference championships in the WIAC without those four guys over the past two seasons. And so those guys, they understand how to win games. They understood how to be competitive and how to navigate their way through a, a challenging league all year. They've done it as sophomores. They've done it as juniors. And now, now this year they all had to rise up and they had to score more. They had to, they had to rebound and 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 
help us on the defensive end much more than they maybe had to in the past. So, like we said, they all knew they had to rise up and play a more important, more prominent. and a half points a game. Last year it was 74. Tillema was averaging 20 points a game. You got five guys in double figures this time. Richard's leading the way at 12 and a half. It's 11 and a half for Riff. Uh, um, uh, Richie is averaging 11 points a game. And then you have Stephen uh, Pelkoffer, obviously the underclassman, 11 points a game. Jordan Lutz is at, is at 11 points. Um, but you're also defensively a better team this year, only averaging 55 and a half points a game. It's you guys are seemingly maybe not as high octane as we're used to. And man, when people talk about the pointers or at least say something to me, they love talking about the defense. Well, this team, they've leaned on our program philosophy, which is going back four decades now, Dave, as you know, with Dick Bennett and Terry Porter. <laughs> yeah. Um, this program has been built on defense and and not just being great um, on your matchup but being a great teammate a great helper and having your teammates back and we talk about being in two places and then outlasting the offense and and these guys have they they have they have recommitted themselves this year to defense and they've um, they've been they've been just really good at at uh, understanding that that's what it's going to take for us to be successful, so they've embraced it, and and we're a better defensive team because of it. Um, what's fascinating is you guys did only lose one game in conference. It was to 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 Whitewater. Whitewater only lost one game in conference. It was to you guys. Usually, we see a little bit more, um, maybe some uh, blood, sweat, and tears in that conference. Um, and this time, you guys all you know, you two dominated. Of course, came down to a coin flip, which is unfortunate. You guys, um, but granted, losing the semifinals didn't end up making it a factor with Whitewater or you hosting. Yeah. But yeah. I got to ask that, that Dave? yeah. Are we the first team ever to lose a coin flip? I, 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 Has that ever? Have you ever heard of that before? I don't know in your conference, but I will admit uh, I was you, surprised it got to the coin flip that quickly. Yeah, we we need to bring that up in our spring coaches <laughs> meeting. We need to change that. You basically, what's fascinating is a lot of conferences have other tiebreakers in place, whether it's. Um, hey, if you can find a good one, can you forward it to us? I, I know one school that went down to it goes down to points, points scored. Yeah, uh, you might have lost that one too, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I like that one. <laughs> but there's other you, factors. Certainly, there's other schools that have other. Some, I think, some even will go to who's ranked higher. I know in football, some of them will go who's ranked higher in the top 25. Um, again, you would have lost mm -hmm. that one, but I'm just giving you some examples. Um, but what I find fascinating, Coach, was you guys did lose to a, a hot Oshkosh team uh, in that in that semifinal, and you know I kind of was a little worried about you guys going into the tournament. Um, but but so far you played very well. I, granted, Concordia was a little bit of a, a nuisance in the sense that they certainly came in ready to play, but then you 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 kind of rolled right over Illinois Wesleyan, which I don't think a lot of people expected. Yeah, no, honestly, the, the final score, Dave, they, they landed punches and they, they bloodied us. There's, <laughs> it's just so hard to, I mean, Ron Rose and Illinois Wesleyan, they were a really good basketball team. And if that's on a neutral floor or at their place, it may go the other way. And we need to be honest about that. They, they were very good. We just somehow outlasted them and down the stretch, I, 
I mean, we were we were good defensively, but they just missed some open shots and things didn't go their way. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from our guys, but I want to be honest and be real about um, that game was a was a great battle, and they didn't play their best, but. Um, we we got to be even better this weekend. We know that, yeah. and that's our challenge, and we're excited about the opportunity. I know you probably don't want to talk about it, but it is a rematch of last year's uh, round of 16 game, and of course it was at your place. Uh, you guys were the were certainly on paper what looked like the better team. I think people had penciled you guys into the Final Four, uh, and Emory surprised you. This year they come in pretty good as well, though you guys are the higher-ranked team, and while I know you're not looking past them, um, how big do you think subconsciously this game is maybe to those four seniors as well? Well, there's there's great uh, determination and great motivation by our guys, but obviously Emory has the confidence. They 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 know they can come in here and they, they can win. They did it last year. So I, I think all that stuff, sometimes it's fun to look at it, but sure. this, this is a different year. Different circumstances, and there are different players in the most prominent roles for them and for us. And so, um, we we know, David. The bottom line is the best team's going to win over 40 minutes, and we know we have a team who they travel every other weekend. They fly out and they they win tough games on the road. So we we are prepared to. All scenarios. I mean, we know we have to be extremely good on both ends of the floor, and we can't allow them to be comfortable coming into our gym and being able to get a flow on offense. And we, they're a fast team. They're really good up and down the floor, and uh, they, they, they have great scores. They have they have six guys that can all lead them in scoring. But Foster's the real deal. He he's really special. Um, you said 40 minutes, so I'm su- suspecting if this game is at the end of regulation and it's tied, you're just going to go to a coin flip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no? <laughs> hey, 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 we we lost the last one. Maybe we should do that. Huh? <laughs> you might win. you think the law of averages are on our side? It might come into your hands. Uh, it might pan out. I hey, think Jason will want to play it out. Yeah, I have a feeling. Uh, I think the, our guys will too. I think the NCAA would like you to play it out as well. I yeah, don't think they want yeah. that storyline necessarily. Um, yeah. Coach, you look, before we let you go, the other thing that's been really fascinating this year has been the parity in Division Three men's basketball. A um, lot of good teams out there. I don't think anybody who's been great. Um, we haven't had any awesome great teams. Of course, I was just talking to somebody today about the great Stevens Point games that had Kelso and Bennett on the team. Um, you know, won two national championships, including the second one where they pretty much rolled right through everybody. Have you seen the same thing? And and is it the type of year that makes it more exciting that way? I think so, Dave. I think I think that's the beauty. If those of us and the fans that really follow D three basketball over a five, ten-year period. I think it's really entertaining and fun to watch uh, from year to year how it unfolds and how there's different scenarios. Sometimes there's a clear team or two to beat, and sometimes there might be years where you just don't know who's going to get hot at the end of the year and win six games. So I, I think that's the fun of it. When you looked at this bracket, what were your thoughts? This is probably, one, in my opinion, one of the more balanced you can't avoid some matchups, but one of the more balanced tournaments. And there's a chance that if you were to get to the championship weekend, you could meet anybody from any region this year. 
Yeah, that's. I think uh, every year it continues to get better and better, and uh, all of everybody that's involved from the championship committee and you know the racks, everybody involved is working so hard to make this right for the student athletes and the fans. And I, I think that's we all should be very proud of what we're seeing take place uh, with this tournament and with the brackets. Well, Coach, I know you're busy getting ready to, to take on Emory, and of course, should you win, you'll take on either East Texas Baptist or Northwestern. Appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about your team. Looking forward to seeing what happens this weekend, of course, at your place, uh, and see who comes out and makes the trip to Salem. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I, it, this gives me an opportunity to really recognize the leadership that our four seniors have brought to the table this season and and uh with austin riff and joe ritchie alex richard jordan lutz uh they're they they certainly have made a statement about their careers as role players and now stepping up in leadership roles and in prominent positions on our team and and i could not be more pleased for those guys and we're going to keep getting after it here dave and see if we can we can get to week 22 yeah it'd be nice to see you guys back in salem but at the same time i think it'd be awesome to see anybody get there it's going to be definitely survival of the fittest and you got a tough one obviously to take place on friday coach thanks so much for joining us good luck and we'll talk to you soon Thank you, David. Bob Semling joining us from um, Stevens Point. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, they take on Emory in the second game at Stevens Point. Tip-off scheduled for 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central time. Of course, the games will be streamed if you can't get there, but you bet you you bet there's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, but tune in. By the way, you want to stay the Stevens Point and, uh, of course, also Whitewater Broadcasting and, and TV folks and stuff do a tremendous job, so it's always worth watching them online as well. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we come back, plenty more Hoopsville ahead. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go to women's basketball, talk to a couple of teams who are trying to make a, uh, a continue their runs, especially as road warriors. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. National Association of Basketball Coaches, viewers like you in the city of Salem. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. 
and now everyone else is speechless. And welcome back to Hoopsville on this Thursday the 12th. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. May not be able to get all of your questions on air, but we will certainly try and reply to them wherever you asked them of us. Um, also a reminder, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Of course, the city of Salem, where tickets are still available for the women's cha- or the men's championship weekend. Go to NCA.com slash tickets and of course by viewers like you who so kindly donated to the Hoopsville fundraising campaign of course that campaign still in demand as it were we actually got a recent donation and we certainly appreciate any efforts um today's kind of like christmas believe it or not some of your donations have helped us upgrade some equipment that we will be using for Hoopsville uh as soon as this weekend and of course we'll be using them in salem for the championship weekend as well um, just finished talking to Stevens point on the men's side. We're going to shift gears, talk women's basketball for a short period of time here. Um, a couple of interviews coming up with two teams who are, uh, hitting the road, uh, and trying to, to keep their, uh, postseason dreams alive. And one of those schools is in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2002. And as a result, interesting enough in the sectional semis for the first time since then as well. And so we go to the Hoopsville hotline. And joining us from the road is Kelly Lewandowski from the number 11th ranked Salisbury Seagulls. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely appreciate it. And a return visit for you. Of course, we talked to you way back in the first semester, as it were, of the season, talking about Salisbury kind of reemerging in women's basketball, being nationally ranked for first time in a long time. You guys have continued that run. Of course, the men have jumped on board. It's been fun times in Seagull land. Definitely. That seems like such a long time ago when we talked last, but uh, it's been a great ride since then. It's it's uh, really great to see. I mean, I think the CAC may have been a little bit more competitive than people gave it some credit. Um, Mary Washington certainly was a, a thorn in the side, as it were, and some other teams were, were challenging. You guys almost went through it um, unscathed, as it were, and, and certainly got at least the conference championship under your belt. Between the last time we talked and now, how how much has this team developed? How much has changed, maybe, with this squad? Um, I mean, I just think we we continue to grow as the season went along. I think uh, our confidence built as as every as every win got under our belt. Um, you know, we haven't changed too much. We're, we're we're still still playing the same type of basketball, but I think you know a lot of these girls have never had a taste of a championship or NCAA play. So I think comes along with that is some more confidence this is a team who just uh last game in the ncaa tournament uh against stockton only i mean you're down five points at the half 35 30 and then you only allowed them 19 points in the second half while scoring 31 yourselves to win by seven talk about a very interesting back and forth game from what a lot of people said they were really worried about stockton what was your thoughts going in and what did you guys do at halftime that changed so much um, you know, watching Stockton play Friday night, we definitely had some concerns. You know, we knew they were a really aggressive and, and tough team, and, you know, obviously their freshman has a lot of height. Um, but we played, we feel that the CEC had really prepared us for a team like that. So, um, you know, we were lucky enough to play in a conference that is competitive every single game we're going into it. So um, we've actually had the opportunity to be down a couple of times this year at halftime. Uh, you know, our girls tend to play a little bit stronger in the second half. So 
Um, although we were down at halftime, I think, you know, we were pretty confident about the changes we needed to make and, and the adjustments we were going to make in the second half. The uh, It's almost like you guys have been flying a little under the radar, not fully appreciated what the Seagulls were doing. I think the end of the season, that changed, um, thanks to certainly some craziness to win the Capital Athletic Conference title. Uh, free throws and last-second shots to force overtime, to force a second, and finally get the win. But you guys jumped eight spots in the D3Hoops.com, top 25 to number 11, and I think the cat is out of the bag. Of course, you got uh, Coach of the Year, uh, and Anna Hackett got Player of the Year in the Capital Athletic Conference. Do you feel like you've been under the radar just a little bit, and now kind of everyone fully appreciating what Salisbury's doing? Um, yeah, I think we, we were, and, um, you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I kind of prefer it, honestly. Um, but it's to be expected. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, we haven't really shown our space in the NCAA. So um, I think that a lot of people didn't know too much about us. I think they know a lot about our conference. And I think, you know, Marymount and, and York, Mary Wash and Christopher Newport are definitely the names that come to mind when people think of the CEC. So um, we're just excited to be here still around and representing our conference and, and proving how strong our conference really is. So, of course, you're senior, you're senior driven on this team. Three of your top four scorers are seniors. Anna Hackett leading the way, 18.1 points a game, two and a half rebounds, four and a half assists a game, which is tremendous, obviously. Assist to turnover ratio of 1.5 to 1. Of course, uh, a steal and a half a game. Uh, is it Sarah Seep? I always screw that Sipe. one up. Sipe, thank you. Uh, 15.1 points a game. Of course, nearly six rebounds a game. That's the case with Julia McLaughlin as well. Six rebounds a game, 8.3 points a game. She's your lone junior of those top four. Uh, Melanie uh, Mokniak? Mokniak, yeah. Thank you. See, uh, this is why I always uh, raise the question. Uh, she's got five rebounds a game and, and seven points a game. Again, you know, except for McLaughlin, those are all seniors. So in some case, you're kind of wanting to continue this ride because who knows what the future holds for this team after losing such uh, so many points, so many boards, so many assists, et cetera, to graduation this coming year. Definitely. I mean, we talked about this in the beginning of the year. We're definitely yeah. senior-driven. Uh, we have six seniors, and that's you know on the court and off the court when it comes to leadership, um, something we sat and discussed with our seniors in the beginning of the, in the, beginning of the year is, you know, kind of what they want to do and how we're going to go into each game, and they kind of set the tone, and they've done an excellent job. Um, I think everyone's really fed off of, you know, their mentality and their push. Only two losses on the season, one coming to Marymount uh, in conference play, as we mentioned, back in mid-February. Of course, the other loss was on the road um, on the 29th to Montclair, so you certainly know this trip um, somewhat decently well. You beat Illinois Wesleyan up here. You played back-to-back games. Kind of ironic that you play a tournament. A lot of coaches do that, uh, especially against good competition, to get them ready for NCAA tournament play. It's ironic that you're heading back to the exact same floor you did that back in December. Yeah, um, that's something we actually talked about last weekend. Kind of felt as though it was meant to be. You know, when we talked about getting through this past weekend, you know, we had been up to Montclair. We kind of knew that, you know, kind of felt like it was almost a sign that we were meant to get through and, and then head back up here. Um, you know, something I learned definitely from my coach is Clinton. He always scheduled really tough competitions there, so we'd be prepared uh, when we're back in the tournament. So, you know, we kind of feel like maybe it's a little bit of destiny. 
Um, yeah, interesting enough, you played Montclair on the second game of that one. Should you win, and should they win, you'll be playing Montclair in the second game of that one. I know you're not looking ahead, um, but how much different is this team, or are they different, uh, considering uh, you lost by 22 to Montclair, 76-54 back on December 29th. How different is this team now, you know, geez, two and a half months later? Right. Like I said, I think we have a little bit more confidence. I think, um, you know, that Montclair game earlier in the year was probably our first really strong competition, the first time we faced someone, you know, obviously in the top 25 at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think maybe we didn't go into it as mentally prepared as we had hoped. Also playing a tough game against Emily Wesley the night before, I think, had an effect. Um, So I think it'll be definitely a different game if we get to that point. Um, Pretty good, good friends with Coach Harvey, and we just joke around right now that, you know, we never wanted to uh, play each other so badly before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it means good things for both teams. It means you moved on exactly. uh, so to, to the sectional championship game and uh, a, a step away from heading to Grand Rapids for the championship. Talking to Kelly Lewandowski here from Salisbury, 11th-ranked women's team will take on the 12th-ranked Amherst Lord Jeffs and Coach G.P. Gromacki uh, on Friday evening, game time, 5 o'clock, and let's talk about that. Uh, you're going up against a perennial favorite who maybe some people don't have high expectations expectations for i took the gamble and had them losing in the first round if you can believe it uh well you know i decided to ride eastern's uh coattails a little bit there and i certainly didn't think nyu would lose on their home court of course gp gromacki and amherst do a lot of things that people don't expect and they've certainly made deep runs the ncaa tournament is there is are you worried about that you know you talk about that montclair state aura that you first faced them first top 25 team and all that stuff are you worried that the team might have the same aura when it comes to the Amherst name, or have you guys been trying to to defeat that all week long? Yeah, I mean, I think um, now that we have a taste of NCAA, you know, we, we kind of have a better idea of what we're walking into. Um, you know, we understand that 16 teams left, so no matter who you play, everybody's going to be ready to go and everybody's a good team. Um, obviously, GP does an excellent job no matter where he is. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they're a great team, but I think – we proved ourselves a lot this year, and we're definitely prepared and excited to play them tomorrow. One thing that jumps out at me, and everyone knows Amherst has size inside. They always have good play. You do have some decent size, um, but it, it's in younger form. Uh, Montagnac, obviously 5'11", at least listed. Uh, Josephine Noonan, uh, 6'2", though she's a freshman. You know, Because Amherst, with that size inside and certainly known for that presence inside, have you guys figured out what you might try to do to to com- combat that a little bit. Uh, they've got plenty of six-footers plus on that squad. Yeah, they're, they're huge, for sure. And <laughs> I don't think we're going to grow any, any more no. the next day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think something, like I said, in our conference, we've played against some good height. Um, you know, York is a similar type team with a lot of height like that. We played against Cameron Green at CMU that's, you know, very similar to their post at, at Amherst. I think something that we try to use in our advantage against that is we're a really aggressive team. Uh, we like the press. We like to run. So we're hoping that our aggressive defense will cause some havoc for them. I was going to say, you guys definitely like to go a little bit more off pace. You definitely take advantage of the guard play, uh, as it were. Is this? A, do you have to walk a fine line, though, with aggressiveness and, and watching out for how the uh, the officials may call that aggressiveness? Or, or is it one of those where you feel you're deep enough that you can go for it? I mean, I think we're, we're, we're deep enough, and I think also – we have some smart players, and that comes back to our experienced uh, juniors and seniors that got a lot of the playing time. You know, I think 
They know how to make good decisions. They know which gambles to take and, and when to play it safe. I should probably ask this of more coaches, but it kind of just dawned on me, considering talking about the aggressiveness and you know how officials may play a role in the sense of how they call the game. How do you adjust to that? You've got media timeouts that certainly allow you to talk to your team a little bit more often, but how, how in the opening minutes do you try and adjust your team to how the game is being officiated and thus adjust your defensive pressure? Um. You know, we always like to start off real aggressive in the beginning just to kind of get that feel to see where it's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it hurts us. <laughs> and other times <laughs> we're, we're, we're riding all right. But like you said, those media timeouts right now definitely have been really helpful because we're allowed to, to adjust uh, more easily and, and have a lot of time to communicate with our team what they're seeing, what they're feeling out there. Talking to Kelly Lewandowski here, number 11th-ranked Salisbury women's team traveling to Montclair State will take on Amherst in the first game there at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Tip-off for that one. Uh, Montclair's got a cozy little gym. It's nothing huge, um, but certainly within the minimums. Uh, how do you think your fan base will travel? What do you expect for an atmosphere up there, especially for two teams who are coming from diff- really different parts of the country, uh, southern t- compared to northern? I think it'll be a great atmosphere. I mean, like you said, Montclair's gym isn't huge, but I think that'll add to the excitement. Um, our team and family and fans travel pretty well, um, you know, so we're, we're pretty excited. We've got some people from New York and Pennsylvania on our squad, so um, this is actually kind of nice for some of them to get a closer game. You graduated from Scranton, as we've talked about in the past, in, in 2006, and certainly played at Scranton. You certainly have plenty of experience with NCAA tournament play. But how do you translate that to the players for a program that hasn't been there in 13 years, so thus really doesn't have much of a, a recent history, thus not much of a mental, um, or anybody there really has a men- memory of this event for this team to be able to fall back on? You know, my experiences playing in the NCAA have definitely come to surface during this time. Um, you know, I'm able to talk to the girls, and, and, and I understand where they're coming from, and, you know, and I try to give them some advice. And more importantly, we're just trying to really stress that they enjoy everything that's going on right now. I think it's really easy to get caught up in, in what we need to do, but, if, you know, we really make sure they cherish this experience, you know, and I think that's the most important thing of the tournament because there are memories that are going to last forever and if some of them start coaching and stuff like that um but i've been really lucky my my girls are pretty grounded and 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 pretty calm so um haven't worried too much about it that much let me talk about Anna Hackett, if you don't mind, for a moment. This is a player who, in 2012, with the Capital Athletic Conference Rookie of the Year, she's been a first or second team selection every year she's been there. Now she's Player of the Year. Um, of course, you also had a Rookie of the Year in Julia McLaughlin uh, after that. But tell you know, so obviously you've got talent in those top four. But Anna, especially, I mean, to be a Rookie of the Year, sometimes it doesn't automatically translate to a player of the year honor at some point in time. How big has Anna Hackett been for this Seagull squad, and how much has she helped kind of turn this program around? Anna yeah, has been huge. I mean, she's been our point guard for the last four years, playing almost 40 minutes. Um, she's just continued to grow each year she's been here. And I don't know uh, a time really without her. <laughs> so, uh, But she's excellent. She, I mean, the thing about her, she's our general out there. She stays very calm. Um, she loves the big moments. She really um, lays it up in these teams. I mean, the last couple of teams, she's really been stepping up. So it's really been exciting to see how she's developed through her four years and 
and I just couldn't be happy for, happier for Galatians in leading this team into the NCAA. Talk about you for a moment. How um, Which number is going to be smaller, how much you have slept or how much you haven't slept? <laughs> I haven't slept very much. You're actually catching me on a good day because I just got a quick nap on the bus. Nice. And <laughs> and my voice is coming back. As of Sunday, I had absolutely no voice. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, obviously, first NCAA tournament as a coach for you, as a head coach for you, um, but coaches at this time of year, I mean, you're not only getting video from you know the sources that you have to in the NCAA, but I'm sure you're picking other coaches' brains who may have played an Amherst squad, or you're trying to get another video to see if there's any wrinkles that you don't know. So really, in reality, how much sleep or no sleep are you getting? Is this almost like the, the famed NFL where, where coaches sometimes have to be regulated to go to bed? Uh, is this a scenario for you guys where sleep is, is a pipe dream until you're actually done with the season? I mean, I do get a little. I'd probably say I get maybe four to five, which I think is pretty good. Um, you know, because it it's different now. It's not like you're in conference play and you've seen these teams a bunch of times and you know the personnel like the back of your hand. I mean, we're really – I mean, looking at Amherst, we, we have not looked at them all year and, and know nothing about them. So, you know, I just feel like it's our duty as a coaching staff to do all that we can do to really prepare our girls so we can have the best possible chance going into each game. That's the other last question I had for you, was you are playing a team you've never seen before. In some capacities, that what's, that's what makes these tournaments great and something that at least us in the media are always looking for. We want to see a national tournament and see matchups we don't normally get to see uh, if it's within the guidelines of the NCAA allowing it. But but from your point of view, uh, would you rather play teams you've seen a lot or are you kind of thriving on the fact that you're playing teams that you have not seen before? I think it's kind of exciting to play teams that we haven't seen before. You know what I mean? Because at the same time, they haven't seen us before. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going in at a level playing field. Uh, we're both getting the film we can get. But um, And I think it's exciting for our girls to have these experiences to play against some of the top competition in the country that you know, otherwise we wouldn't have that opportunity. Yeah, definitely getting the big weekend here. Should you beat Amherst, you've got potentially Montclair State or even a pretty good Bowdoin squad sitting waiting for you. It would be interesting if you played back-to-back NESCAC teams. But nonetheless, uh, big big battle in northern New Jersey coming up this weekend. Absolutely. Coach Lewandowski, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I'll let you get back to the to the lack of sleep uh, <laughs> as you prepare for your, your games here. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. As always, we give the coach and guest the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those? Who may be tuning in? Um, I just want to obviously thank you for having us on again. I mean, you, you noticed us in the beginning, and, and we're happy to be around here. And, you know, any attention that you're bringing to G3, but also the women's team is obviously great. Um, and then, you know, obviously we're trying to make the CAC proud. So we hope to keep it going this weekend. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, Coach. Thank you so much for coming on. At least enjoy the weekend, and good luck on Friday against Amherst. All right. Thank you so much. Kelly Lewandowski, 11th-ranked Salisbury, again taking on the 12th-ranked Amherst Lord Jeffs. Uh, Seagulls versus Lord Jeffs coming up on Friday at Montclair State. Tip-off again, 5 o'clock Eastern time. When we come back, we'll go up a little further up the eastern seaboard, go to eastern Connecticut. There, the Dark Horse happened to have beaten Lewandowski's alma mater, Scranton, in the first round, and then they uh, marched on and beat Baruch. They'll take on Tufts coming up here this uh, weekend. We'll talk about that big challenge for the Warriors uh, coming up here on Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, that's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. 
Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the city of Salem, and, of course, viewers like you will be back with more Hoopsville right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title to become NCAA National Champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia, hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Talking a little bit of women's basketball. Just got done talking to Salisbury. And next up is Eastern Connecticut. If you've got any questions for us, we'll uh, try and answer them via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, every year there's a team who, who, who makes a nice little run in the NCAA tournament. On Sunday we talked to Northwestern. On the men's basketball side, of course, not a team who's getting necessarily any votes in the top 25, but certainly making a splash. Of course, on the women's side, that team would probably be, by all accounts, Eastern Connecticut. Got a big win over number 12-ranked Scranton to open up their NCAA tournament uh, run here and then got another big win uh, after that against Baruch, uh, another tough team. Of course, that game at, those games at Scranton. Their reward, they'll take on the number one team in the country in a rematch of a game earlier this season. But let's uh, first talk about the season. And so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Eastern Connecticut women's basketball coach Denise Beerley. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, congratulations on this season. 22-8 and eight overall, finished 10-4 and four in the Little East Conference. Uh, which was uh, uh, enough to tie Mass Dartmouth for the top and, of course, won the automatic bid. Um, but I would argue maybe this is the most uh, hoopla surrounding the Warriors women's team since you guys made that 2003 championship appearance. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is our deepest run in the tournament since then. Um, we were in the tournament in 2011 and kind of revamped our program, and uh, these seniors have uh, come from their freshman year. They won eight games to this point in their their career this season, and so really proud of them and uh, the team just as a whole and, and how we've been playing over the last few weeks. Um, this is a team that is on a roll, uh, as it were. You've won, what is it, seven straight after uh, back-to-back tough losses, and, and I got a chance to see a piece of, of video on, on your website um, before talking to you uh, and about how those those back back losses against Keene State and Mass Dartmouth may have been the perfect wake up call for this team. 
Can you give us kind of a sense of, of why you said that? Well, I just think that we just weren't playing up to our potential. And I think, uh, especially after the UMass Dartmouth loss, um, you know, it looked like we might not, you know, win the regular season or host a tournament. And we had a really, you know, sometimes I think talks after losses, sometimes they're, you know, the head coach talks and that's about it and the players listen. But it was just a unique uh, dialogue. I mean, the kids were talking before I even got to the locker room after we lost to UMass Dartmouth. I walked in, they continued to talk. And just kind of that, um, we're better than this, and and what are we doing? And and especially the seniors, you know, what are we doing? And we've only got one week of the regular season left. And from that moment on, the energy was just different. I think they focused on having fun more. Um, they focused on, you know, uh, what they needed to do to win and what they were good at. And I think that that just kind of just then started snowballing, uh, winning our last two regular season games, and then going into the postseason. Um, interesting enough, in that Keene State game, you only scored 35 points. This is a team that puts you have to up. Remind me of that. Sorry, uh, <laughs> only puts up 60. I mean, you put up 63, um, right. and you only gave up 48, which is the average. You you only give up 49 on the season. Right. But that 35 point outing, those are the kinds of games that the, those of us on the outside are looking in, going, "Whoo, what happened?" Right. But that seemed like that was part of that week. That uh, you know, you you certainly yeah. put up. You only put up forty eight against Dartmouth. That definitely seemed to be the kind of combination there for yeah. your team. Yeah, I mean, I felt both games we played good defense, and obviously, if you'd have told me that morning of the Keene State game, we only gave up what forty, and we fouled three times on purpose at the end. So, <laughs> I mean, it's if you told me that, I'd been like, oh, we won the game sixty to forty or something. Yeah. But we just, uh, it, you know, to give Keene State credit, I, you know, I never like to take away from the other team, but, you know, we just didn't shoot the ball well. I mean, it was, it, we couldn't make a basket, and just, it was just such a struggle, and you feel like you'd find one kid, or we have enough kids that you'd have one that would do it, or, you know, get hot, and, and we've had that over the season, but it just didn't happen that night, and it was just a bad loss, and, you know, didn't really score very many more points against UMass Dartmouth, but then, you know, after that, like I said, just, I think people needed to, the kids on the team realized they needed to step up and and play to their potential, and uh, they got in the gym a little bit. It's you know extra shooting, and and then I think when when a team or a player's confidence starts rolling, I mean I mean you see it all the time in the NCAA tournament men and women's side. It's like the confidence, the confidence factor is so huge, and it can make teams do things that you know maybe you know in November they didn't think they could do. And I think our confidence is really high right now. Um, this is a team that's got three seniors on it, but certainly you've got a lot of underclassmen who are stepping up. Right. You've got a junior in Jill Ritroski. Ritroski, yeah. Ritroski, uh, yeah. 12 and a half points a game, 10 rebounds a game. Also hands out uh, a second on the team and assists in 56 for that category. He's third on the team with 37 steals. Uh, Shannon McCourt, um, who is uh, your senior, Ten and a half points a game, six and a half rebounds. You have a sophomore in Jordan Nappy, um, nine and a half points a game, and, a, and another senior in Christina Forsman at nine point two points a game. So you, you, while you got three very solid seniors, certainly got a lot right. of underclassmen who are kind of stepping up. At, at, and this time of year, that's almost a, a, a blessing more than anything else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had we've had kids, you know, leading scorer in a lot of different game, you know, different one in different games, and you know, Jill is our leading scorer. But I mean, you know, Jordan Nappy could be a, I, you know, she's in my mind a starter. It's not like we've really played that way this year as far as 
you know, not focusing on who's starting, but just, you know, where we can get good matchups and where we can take advantage. And um, But, yeah, having those underclassmen, you know, Julia DePoy and Jordan Appy are sophomores and Lindsay Wagenauer comes off the bench, and they're really critical for our success. And, and then obviously Joe Rotowski and uh, um, her success. So, you know, the, all those kids, you know, along with the seniors, have made for a nice rotation for us of – you know, we can rotate about eight kids in with Victoria Full, and, and that makes a pretty nice rotation for us. Even Lexus Foster, we could go a little bit deeper. But, um, yeah, it makes it nice at, at tournament time if, you know, someone like I know on Saturday, Taylor McBride got in foul trouble the first half, and, you know, Victoria Full played quite a few minutes. So it's it's you need that. I mean, you just never know when something's going to happen or how these games are going to go. They, In your mind as a coach, you think you have the game plan scripted out, but it it, it – Usually about five minutes in, you're just throwing that in the wastebasket and looking at something else. So um, you just you got to go with the hot hand and who's hot, and and on, on the other side try to defend for them who's hot and and do the best you can. Um, you go relatively deep. You've played six players in every single game, and you've played ten in a, in twenty or more of the games, so about two thirds. So you go relatively deep, but you don't go terribly deep. How much for the media timeouts helping you out right now? Oh, immensely. I know on Saturday, like I said, we got to the second half, and Baruch is such a challenge. Um, you know, just their athleticism, and, um, you know, Shannon McCord and Joe Rotowski, you know, were, were guarding two of their, you know, top players. And I know definitely in the second half, those media timeouts, you know, came in handy to give them a couple minutes, especially, you know, playing these weekend back to backs. And we had such a physical game with Scranton on Friday. And, um, you know, it really was, was key for us to get a little bit of that extra rest and going, you know, going down the stretch run of, of that game. So, yeah, the media timeouts definitely do help with that. Um, we mentioned earlier making a deep run in the tournament for the first time since the 03 championship game. That's got to feel like a little bit of a long time ago for you. Certainly not much memory on the team. No, I mean, none of the kids on the team have been to the NCAA tournament before. That's why I'm really proud of what they've done so far. And, um, you know, I'm the only one that's, you know, had that experience. And, um, but, you know, our program up until 11, 12 had been in the tournament and, and, you know, had been nationally ranked over the years. And, and we feel like we have a strong program. And we're, I'm just really happy that these, these group of young women have got it back on the map and are making a statement about who they are and what they want to do. Now, big wins, too, over Scranton and, and Baruch. Of course, number 12, Scranton hosting. Right. Um, and, of course, Baruch is always a team that you got to watch out for, even if they're not ranked. Um, How big was it just to get out of that weekend? Oh, huge. And I think Baruch, I had seen them play early in the season against Amherst. And um, they, I think, started the season 4-4. and But um, I give them a lot of credit as far as their scheduling. I mean, they played a brutal schedule at the beginning of the season. And then I think they went in and won 21 straight until we won on Saturday. But, I mean, they they play a tough schedule non-conference. And they had played some of the top teams, you know, in the country. And I just think they got off to – four and four star nobody was they, they kind of were under the radar a little bit but they are definitely a very talented team and um do a great job well coached and and definitely were a huge challenge for us on saturday but uh yeah and then beating scranton on their home court i mean i have all the respect in the world for their program and um with what they've done in the past obviously with coach strong at the helm and and now he's patched the torch on and and i think that you know they're, they're always going to be up there and they're good and, and to beat them on their home court was a huge win for us and really proud of the kids the way they hung together at the end there because it got you know it was a really back and forth game and a big battle and they were very physical but i i think we represented it you know our conference and how we play in a, in a you know very high level of basketball 
Uh, I love when a coach gives me an unwillingly a, a terrific segue. Speaking of four and four start, and for you guys, technically five and or uh, six and five, and talk about a, a tough non-conference schedule. The Tufts game is a rematch. It's a rematch of your first loss of the season. You guys went through a gauntlet at one point. Right. Um, really, it starts back with Trinity on the twentieth of of November, where you got to win. Uh, 60 to 27. I just bring that up because they're a NESCAC team. But then it's Tufts, Williams, Amherst, Rhode Island College. Right. Loss, 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 loss. Certainly tough. But you played Tufts to within 12. You played Williams to within six. You played Amherst to within 15, which in in some senses is a win. Um, and Rhode Island College was a tough four four uh, point loss. That is a tough stretch of basketball, certainly. Um, when you're especially taking on some of the top teams in the country in Tufts, Williams, and Amherst. And while you came out with losses, I have this gut feeling you guys came out winners in some sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what who what idiot put that schedule together, but I don't. I need to talk to that person, former assistant coach. Maybe I guess that would be me. Yeah, that's always the assistant coach when that happens. Right. But uh, no, I think the only thing that I was a little concerned about doing it is, uh, you know, if we, you know when it happened is I think it kind of brought the team's confidence down and that wasn't yeah. a good thing. But in hindsight, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but yeah, I mean, it, I, last year when I scheduled those teams, I did it for a reason and I did it to, to make us better and to have to improve and have to get better. And the kids knew all summer that those teams were on our schedule and it's kind of ironic that it's come full circle and we're playing toughs again on Friday, but, yeah. um, you know, we'll see. And they're a very tough team, and they haven't lost on their home court in, what, two years or something crazy. Yeah. I mean, they've got a great program, and um, and we're going to go in there as the underdog, obviously. But um, I think we wear that well, and um, I'm sure our team will be ready. But, you know, I have the utmost respect for Coach Berube and what she's built there and, and their team. And, uh, you know, we I watched that tape and I'm from when we played them in November, and I'm like, looking at the teams, even their team. I mean, I'm, it's not even the same teams. And, yeah. you know, and it's just going to be a totally different, you know, situation. And that's, what, and that's what I'm dying to know. Can you even take anything out of that? Certainly you know some strategy and right. maybe what they're going to do. Right. But it's literally a tale of two or three different seasons because so much yeah. has changed for you guys, so much has right. changed for them. Uh, of course, that game was at, at your place. Now right. you're going to be at their place. Can you take anything from that tape, or is that one of those tapes you just go, "Wow, that was nice to watch." Let's go back to something more recent. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing you take out of it, I think, are some things um, maybe that they did or that we did that you know didn't work, and things that we did that did work, I guess. And there were there were those things that you could take away from it just because you're playing the same team. But you know, I know you know from watching, you know, obviously they've scouted us again, and we've done the same. And you know, they're definitely playing a little bit different, and they've had some injuries, you know, and that's made them play a little bit different and um, you know we've had to adjust because we had that then four game losing streak so we mm -hmm. made some adjustments on personnel and so we're playing some different kids and so it's just going to be I think a different um, you know two teams you know playing different because you know beginning of November is just it seems like two years ago and <laughs> and um, um, so now it's and, and there's a lot more at stake and on the line and and you know, but I'm really grateful that you know we we scheduled those games. They were good. I mean, Williams, we we actually had them. I thought within three at the end, and we could have won that game. And so, you know, I think playing those NESCAC teams, um, I, I don't think that I'll ever shy away from doing that because you want to make yourself better and you want to get yourself prepared. And then, 
because our goals aren't really just to get in the tournament, as I think some programs are. I think it's to get in the tournament and try to make a run. And I think playing those teams in your regular season helps you for that, as well as being in the Little East Conference, which is a tough conference to be in. Uh, wrapping things up here with Denise Beerley. Yeah, was, uh, you, you talk about that Little East Conference. Uh, you know, Mass Dartmouth was kind of the, the, the surprise team, certainly had a terrific season. Um, of course, you guys beating them left them out of the NCAA tournament, but it was a little bit different at the top of the conference this season. Yeah, no, I mean, we've, you know, over the years with Southern Maine have kind of been up there. And, yeah. Um, it was just a little bit different. UMass Dartmouth uh, had a, you know, first-year head coach, and he did a great job, and, you know, they, they really had a great season, and I think people kind of underestimated them. But, you know, they have a lot of talent, and, um, you know, they had a really great season. But in the end, you know, I think our kids, you know, came together at the right time and, um, you know, won the conference tournament against UMass Boston, which they also had a wonderful, great season as well and gave us everything we could handle in uh, the conference final. We won in overtime. And so I think all those tough tests, though, you know, have made us uh, mentally and physically strong. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will prepare us for this weekend. Um, it, going back to the Tufts game and all that, is it is it a matter of having a to convince the team that's not the team you're playing? Is it a matter of trying to get them to have no memory of the November game to kind of prepare for this one so they're maybe not psychologically already out of the game before it starts? Um, we really haven't even talked about it at all, to be quite honest. I mean, we've I watched the tape. I did some scouting from it, but we've really just moved on. and Because I think we're playing so much different, and, and I think the kids know that. I mean, that we have some juniors and seniors, so I think they're a mature group that understand that. And know that it's a totally different situation, and also know that how 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 poorly we feel we played in November mm-hmm. against them, you know, and we lost by twelve. I mean that you know it's it was uh, you know we were down I think twelve at half. We outscored them by one the second half I think, and we just the first half we played horribly. I mean we just didn't play well at all. And I mean you give Tufts credit for that. I mean obviously they're very good, but. Um, we know we were playing better, and we can play better against them. And uh, so I, I don't think at this point with the kids we have that it's a – they're walking on the court. You know, if they were going to do that, they were going to do it last Friday against Grant, and they didn't do that. So I think, it, you know, they're going to be ready, and, and it's going to be two good teams going at it on Friday night. At least this trip is closer for you. Uh, yes, it is. That is definitely true. <laughs> we'll have a lot more support than we did, though. The fans and our parents were great coming to Scranton. But, yeah, I mean, going staying in New England isn't a bad thing for us. No, absolutely not. Hey, well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about the team. Certainly impressed with uh, with what you guys have done this season. Certainly the dark horse, as it were, heading into play toughs at their place. As you point out, it'll be enough of a challenge, but at least you'll probably get some good support there. And, again, uh, that game at 7 o'clock Eastern time, the second of two games there. I would uh, ask you, as I've asked other coaches, about the other two teams in this bracket, right. but I think you've got enough on your hands with Tufts <laughs> that, do, uh, that yeah. we, we kind of know what you're focused on. Uh, yeah. But as always, we do give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be watching? Oh, just that, you know, I think it's, you know, Division Three women's basketball is just, you know, playing at a really high level, and it, it just shows by the teams and the games and the scores, and it's really exciting, and I hope the fans can come out. And just, David, I just want to thank you, what you guys do at 
D3Hoops.com and having the Hoopsville show. And it's great to have that support and, and getting the word out about, you know, Division Three women's basketball and uh, just really appreciate all that support. And, and I think we've got a lot of great student athletes doing a lot of great things. And uh, you guys help get that word out. And, and I think all of us coaches and all the student athletes really appreciate that. So thank you. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words as well. Good luck against Tufts. Good luck this weekend. In case, in case you get past Tufts, you got another good game on Saturday as well. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing how uh, how the Warriors do this weekend. Great. Okay, thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Take care. Denise Beerley joining us from Eastern Connecticut. Team is going to hit the road and get ready to play uh, Tufts at Tufts in, the, in uh, Cambridge. Look forward to seeing how they do there. Pat Coleman may be dropping by some of those games for us. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll shift gears, go into some men's basketball. Talk to St. Olaf. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. St. Olaf is one of those teams we'll talk to, uh, if I can think of it through. Uh, we'll also talk um, ahead. Um, uh, who, who else is that other team we're going to speak to? Oh, yeah, St. John Fisher. All here ahead on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches, viewers like you, and of course the city of Salem. More t- tickets are still available for the men's championship weekend at NCAA.com slash tickets. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We have a jam-packed show, as you can clearly tell if you've been watching along or following us on Twitter. Uh, Lots of coaches from around men's and women's basketball getting ready for sectionals weekend here. As a result, we will always go into overtime, so just expect us to do that. But don't forget, Sunday we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll wrap up the sectionals. We'll get reports from Thomas Moore on the women's side. Also, uh, a report in some nature from Babson and Tufts from our, our friend Pat Coleman. Not sure what we'll get exactly. And, of course, you'll get my report from Randolph Macon. Plus, we'll talk to any coaches that we have left out of the mix as we get ready to head towards Grand Rapids and Salem officially as the road is halfway there for the most part, at least uh, uh, timing-wise. We have one more set of games to be officially halfway to a championship. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. 
another one of those teams that uh, has maybe um, been flying under the radar despite having a tremendous season, especially in conference play. Maybe the Trinity, Connecticut men's basketball team ended up winning the regular season for the NESCAC. The only team uh, who had a, a stellar record in the NESCAC, um, hosted the conference championship tournament, but unfortunately fell in the semifinals before getting an at-large bid, and they're making the most of it as they have had a tremendous opening weekend of the season. Uh, and their reward is they will head to Babson for a rematch with Bates, um, of course, in a fascinating matchup, to say the least, in general there. Of course, they are 22-6, and six, so we thought we'd talk to James Cosgrove, the head coach, and joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned head coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, let me let me go back to this NESCAC run. I talked to Dave Hickson on Hoopsville back at the beginning of January, and I said to him, I said, what, what do we make of this conference this year? He said, oh, don't be surprised if the winner's got three or four losses. It's going to be a battle this year. It's not going to be easy. Uh, it's going to be crazy. I believed them. Bates seven and three, Bowden seven and three, Amherst Tufts six and four, Wesleyan Williams five and five. Except there's this team at the top, the Bantams nine and one. What was the secret getting through conference play this season for you guys? Well, it's it's funny you say that. I uh, you know I thought uh, we'd be around. Uh, if we had a good year, we'd be at seven and three mark uh, <laughs> for, for for the year, and uh, we we exceeded those ex- my own expectations and. Uh, you know, I had a great run in the regular season, going nine and one, uh, and, and I and I just think that uh, you know the, the the league is really really balanced, and I think we just had a you know a pretty good run and, and played some some good ball and some good stretches, and uh, and, and, and I think it showed uh, with our record. Of course, you did take the second loss in conference per se to Wesleyan when we talk about the conference tournament. Right. Of course, Wesleyan on right. a magical run themselves into the NCAA tournament, um, and right. really made a nice run in the second half against. Uh, against Skidmore before falling in that one. It was a very interesting year in the NESCAC. The Williams, the Amherst, the Middlebury's, the usual suspects, not having their tremendous dominating seasons. Uh, the the others, as it were, yourselves, Bates, Wesleyan, Tufts, kind of being able to reemerge and, and make things a little bit more interesting, shook up the NESCAC and probably in a very good way. And it's got to build some confidence in programs like yourselves that down the road and in the future, this isn't the usual ABMW league. Yeah, I, I really believe that that the, there are, there are many quality teams in our league, and uh, year in and year out, I think now a- anybody can win it. You, you didn't mention Bowden, and uh, I think Bowden was one of our top teams in our league, also. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you know, one, you know, Wesleyan uh, was the sixth or seventh seed, and they won the conference tournament, and they were they were a very very good team. So. I think uh, you know top seven, eight teams in our league are, are, are very good, and uh, you know it's it's just dependent on who gets hot at the right time. Like you said about Wesleyan, and we you know we we had a good stretch uh, of playing well, but uh, I think our league, uh, you know, it speaks for itself how, how good the league is. Uh, you know what, what teams have done in the past, and I think now with some of the other teams like ourselves, like like the Wesleyans, like like the Bates, and, and even the Bowdens uh, having real good years, uh, how, how deep and how good the, the NESCAC really is. You had an interesting uh, out-of-conference schedule. You lost a, a strange game to Salem State, and I say strange because I don't normally see Salem State put 102 points up on the board. Uh, they right. beat you in the second game of the season, 102-85. That was at Dartmouth. Um, you, you lost to Cortland, 72-63. You got a dominating win over Ithaca. Um, you got a big win over Vassar and a big win over Springfield. And I think that was the point in the time when people started wondering who exactly uh, was this Trinity squad. 
Um, you played some other games in there that, that you know, a mix and match of, of opponents. You lost a Merchant Marine, which certainly grabbed some people's attention uh, before right. getting. And of course, that was a start of three games, uh, three losses in four. One of them, the non-division three Fisher, but you had the win right. against Bates in the middle of that, and then you came out of that. How much did that stretch? Those three games in eight or four games in eight days, and three losses. Did how much did that help you guys? You, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, you, you think about those things in uh, a game like Fisher and, and even even the Merchant Marine. Uh, uh, you know, those are games. You know, we, we feel we, we could have and should should have won. And, and I think it was uh, I think it was good for us because uh, both of those teams played us very hard and it was very hard-fought games, and sometimes, uh, you know, when, when you're in the middle of your NESCAC schedule and playing some non-league games, you, you, you can take those for granted, and, you know, I think it, it, it put us in uh, proper perspective that, you know, we need to come out every night and be focused and be ready if, if, if we're going to be a good team, and, uh, you know, I think we've done that since then for the, for the most part, uh, you know, the, the rest of the way through, the, through uh, January into February. Talking to James Cosgrove here, head coach of the Bantams. They are uh, marching into the NCAA tournament round of 16. Uh, we'll be taking on Bates in a rematch. We'll talk about that briefly, but let's go back to the previous weekend. You guys do get an at-large bid, and you get to host, which is certainly something you uh, I know we're looking forward to. Colby Sawyer was your first opponent. You barely got past them by five. Then you took on a, a Salisbury team that certainly was playing well, and you held them to just 47 points, scoring in both games 60. Uh, was the home cooking exactly what, what, it, what you guys needed? I think that that definitely was was a help, and our fans were great, and it was it was terrific to be at home and sleep in our own beds and all those good things that you have at home. But I also think going back is uh, you know being in being in the NESCAC. You know I don't care if you're you know at the top of the league or middle of the pack of the league. I mean the NESCAC, NESCAC is so strong that I think it helped prepare us against some of these non-league teams and uh, and and help us you know help us play play well in the first two rounds. Um, of course, that um, Colby Sawyer game was probably a little closer than a lot of people expected it to be. Um, it's not like you guys have had a ton of tournament experience in in recent years. Is it a matter of maybe just getting used to it for the players? Is it a matter of um, maybe getting the nerves out? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, there's something to be said for that. We were down 16 points in the first half, and uh, you know we, we we came back uh, very strong at the end of the first half, and uh, I think we were down seven at halftime and then uh, really turned it on in the second half and you know I think it was our defense we played very well in the second half and I think we carried that over to the uh, Salisbury game and, and played very well in, in the first half uh, I think we held them to 16 points in the first half so I think that uh, definitely getting the nerves out and then uh, understand that we need to focus that we need to focus on our defense um, if we're going to if we're going to uh, survive and advance in this tournament and the, and the kids really bought into that did a great job of that. Of course, you'll move on. You'll now go to uh, take on Bates. The game's at Babson, a whole hour and a half away in Wellesley, Massachusetts, close to Needham. For anybody who knows the region well, it's a nice, easy trip up 84 across the Mass Pike and then jaunt down to Babson. But you'll take on a, a Bates squad you certainly know well. You did get the win earlier this season, of course, at your place, 66-59. But both of you guys seem to be those teams who want to prove something this looks like it's going to be one of those epic matchups of teams who know each other really well, have a lot to prove, and are gunning for an Elite Eight game um, as much as the other one is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's much more that I can add to that. I think you put it right <laughs> on the head for, for, for both teams, and uh, certainly Trinity feels that way, and uh, I'd, uh, I'm sure that Pates feels the same way. 
What what do you can you take anything from the game you saw back on on January sixteenth? I mean, at this point, it's two months ago, and a lot could have changed. Can you take anything that you know about their program over the years since both you guys, uh, at least head coach wise, have been there a while and faced each other at least once a season? Can can you take anything from this, or do you guys know each other so well that you almost have to be ready for something else? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're definitely you know need to prepare for different things, but I uh, you know I, I think they're gonna you know they've been very very successful this year. We've been very very successful, so so I'm assuming both teams will rely on their strength and what's got them there to uh, to be ready. And I think it's just gonna be a you know hard fought game, and uh, you know I, I think it's uh, it's gonna be a great matchup. I really do. Something that stuck with me from the NCAA championship dinner last year in Salem when Amherst and Williams were there, and I was having some fun with their head coaches, asking them, I talking to. Dave Hickson about, well, you've pretty much smoked Williams the previous three times this season. What are you going to do differently? He joked he put in a whole new offense, and Williams, Mike Maker, joked back good because I couldn't stop anything else. Is it kind of along <laughs> those lines that you guys, it, it, you might yeah. throw a wrinkle like that at him, or is it everybody knows what the X's and O's are, you're just going to have to execute? Yeah, I, I really think, you know, you know they've done some different things the, the last few games that they hadn't done against us uh, previously, so you know we need to prepare for a few different things. You know, you know we're, we're pretty much, uh, you know, we're pretty much uh, what we are playing, uh, you know, hard man to man and, and, and running our, our offense, our up tempo offense. So, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to throw too many, uh, too many wrinkles in there, and uh, they might throw a wrinkle or two, or they might just come at us the way they've been because they've been so, so successful this year. You know, they're probably having the attitude, "What? You know, why do we need to change?" And, and honestly, the game at Trinity between Trinity and Bates was a, uh, you know, it was a tie game with two or three minutes left. It was a, you know, it was anybody's game, so it was a, definitely, definitely a very, very hard fought victory for us. Talked about it briefly that this is the, you know, not a lot of history at Trinity of the NCAA tournament in recent years. This is the first time um, you guys have been in the tournament since 2008. It's the first time you've been in the sectional since 1999. It's right. got to be creating some buzz, but at the same time, a lot of newness, as it were, for this team and this program. Uh, yeah, there's 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 definitely been a uh, a nice buzz on campus. We had great crowds in the uh, in the first two round games, and uh, I think there's a there's a lot going on as far as uh, the enthusiasm uh, for our program and, and for our players, which is uh, real exciting to be a part of. As you point out, by the way, Bates making their second ever appearance. The last time was in the 1961 All NCAA College Division tournament. So I think you got the edge there. We'll give you uh, some points there. Um, uh, when you look at um, what's ahead, and obviously you know you're going to probably get some good fan support because it's so close. I suspect Bates will have some good fan support as well. You know you got to right. get past that game to get an Elite Eight game. Have you? I know you've got the video of Babson. I know you got the video of Johns Hopkins. Have you dared even try and prepare? I mean, I've gotten mixed answers on that from a lot of coaches because it depends on philosophy. Do you can you can you let yourself prepare to even look at those two teams, or is it a matter of going? You know what? You know we're we're just going to focus on Bates right now, and we'll we'll cross that bridge yeah. when we come to it. Yeah, not me. Uh, you know, I don't I don't have any. Uh, you know, I have. I don't, Wing on uh, on John Hopkins or, or Babson, uh, uh, you know our our focus is solely on Bates. And uh, you know the, the fortunate thing is if we're if we are fortunate enough to get uh, get past Bates, uh, you know we're the first game, so we'll have uh, time to to watch that second game and uh, and uh, evaluate everything we need to do and dissect everything we need to do with John Hopkins and Babson. Then, but uh, until until uh, until the uh, 
final buzzer uh, against Bates, uh, we're going to be totally, totally focused uh, on the Bates uh, Trinity matchup. Of course, with NASCAR play, you're fair, pretty familiar with playing two games in a weekend, so nothing out of the ordinary for that. But of course, you prepare for two teams in that sense. This time, uh, obviously, not sure who you're you're preparing for three in some sense. I'd be remiss if I if I let you go without talking about your team real quick. You've got six seniors on it, but three of them play significant minutes and make significant. Um, 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 you know, stat line um, ad additions. Um, we'll talk though at, at the start. It's a junior though, and under, underclassman leading the way in Jaquan Starks at thirteen and a half points a game, three and a half rebounds. Uh, I, I I hope I say Shea's last name correctly, but uh, Shea Ajay. Ajay. Yeah. Ajay. I like that one better. Um, not, ten points a game for him. He's hauling in six and a half rebounds. Then you have a sophomore in Ed. Ogundeko? Ogundeko. Right. Ogundeko. I, I overthought it. At Ogundeko, yep. nine points a game, seven and a half, eight rebounds a game, really. And then you get to your senior guys, the big guys that have uh, really uh, cemented this team in the inside. George Papadias, uh, 8.1 points a game. Alex Conaway, um, seven points a game. Of course, both of them pulling in some good rebounds as well. So while you got some senior leadership, you got some underclassmen who are going to take this experience and move forward for you. Oh no, no doubt. I, I, you know, uh, it, it's funny. Uh, the seniors, uh, we we kind of we kind of came in together. That was my uh, my first recruiting class when yeah. I got the job here at Trinity, and now that now they're seniors, so I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, the progress that they've made uh, coming in when they were freshmen and sophomores, and the struggles that we went through to get to where we are now, and um, I'm really proud of them. And and and, and like you said, their their leadership as much as anything else. And and we do have a good mix of. Of older guys who have some experience, and uh, you know, and some good, some good young guys who are uh, who are very good players who are real eager to uh, you know to, to show what they can do and, and, and to show what uh, Trinity can do. That's probably the scary thing about the NESCAC is how much youth is involved with these teams. Right. The Amherst has youth. Williams has right. youth. You guys right. have youth. Bates, I think, has some youth. Wesleyan. This is going to yeah. be a fascinating NESCAC next year. Not that we're looking ahead of this weekend, but wow. For a crazy yeah. year this year, it's going to be even wackier next year. Um, only holding your opponents to sixty-two points a game and only scoring sixty-nine. You guys are used to close games. Yeah, we, we, we've been in a lot of close games, and in uh, like I said earlier, we really hang our hat on our, on our defense and in uh, stopping people and uh, trying to shut people down. And uh, you know, when you when you do that, uh, you know, it's it's hard to to be too to be a real explosive. So you know, you have to grind out and win some of those games in, in, in a gritty fashion, which. This group has really done a great job of this year. Um, wrapping things up here with James Cosgrove, the head coach from Trinity. And Bantams, again, 22-6 and six overall, won the NESCAC regular season at 9-1, and one, uh, and are into the uh, sectional round where they'll face Baps, uh, Bates at Babson. Yeah, that's not apparently easy to say. Uh, that game starting at 5.30 Eastern time. Coach, uh, we on the D3Hoops.com staff have a proud Trinity alum. We, we do hope Gordon hasn't been ringing your phone off the hook. No, say, say that again. I, I didn't hear that. I, I said we have a proud alum of Trinity on our okay. on our D3 Hoops.com staff, Gordon. Man, we hope he hasn't been bugging you too much and ringing your phone. No, he's been great. You guys have all been great. Really appreciate the support and the and getting uh, getting the Trinity Bantam names out there. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, by the way, uh, the other thing I love about the NESCAC is we get some interesting mascots slash um, <laughs> logos. Amherst is the Lord Jeffs, but it's simply an A. Uh, yeah. Williams is the Eves, but it's a cow. Bantams yeah. is a chicken or a rooster. Um, yeah. Can you give everybody just a little bit of the history behind that logo, if you happen to know it? Yeah, I don't. Uh, 
I should probably hand the phone over to my assistant, who's an alum and probably would know it a lot better than I do. The, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll clean it up and call us the uh, the Fighting Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> fighting Roosters. I kind of like that one. That kind of has a nice ring to it. Well, Coach, uh, good luck against Bates. Obviously, a familiar foe. And then, if should you win, good luck against uh, Babson or Johns Hopkins. Looking forward to seeing how everything plays out there in Wellesley. Um, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, I just want to I want to thank you guys so much for having us on the show, and uh, we're really looking forward to a great weekend. It should be real exciting off the Babson. Yeah, absolutely, and good luck, and take care. Hopefully you'll get some good fan support the, that whole hour and a half away from campus. Right, right. James Cosgrove, right. thanks for joining us. He's uh, on our Hoopsville hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Team is, uh, again, big game against Bates here on Friday evening. The winner will take on Babson or Johns Hopkins. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll, we'll continue the show. I can't even remember who we got on for a guest next, but just stick with us. You can find out because well, we'll tweet out the next guest uh, coming up here on our Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or using the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us questions, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Also, don't forget, uh, you can, um, well, that's the easiest way you can chime in, but Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com. Also, uh, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the City of Salem, where tickets are still available for the championship weekend. Go to NCAA.com slash tickets. And, of course, don't forget, uh, viewers like you who have donated to the Hoopsville Fundraising Project, which is still ongoing in an in-demand sort of way, there are still perks available if you'd like to get a Hoopsville t-shirt or determine who what guests might be able to appear on our show before we close out the season. Anybody we don't get on, we will get on at the beginning of next year. Back with more Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoops. Hello, everybody. As we're getting ready for the sectionals weekend, game times will start in less than 24 hours on the men's and women's side. 32 total teams remain for a chance at two national championships. Of course, those games taking place at eight different locations. Lots of teams hitting the road to get to them, and a lot of our guests tonight are road warriors, as it were, this weekend, and may have been road warriors um, in the previous weekend as well. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com 
slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Broadcasters, the city of Salem, where you can get tickets still for the final four. Just go to NCA.com slash tickets. Or, of course, viewers like you who are so kind to donate to the Hoopsville fundraiser should point out that while that campaign is officially over in terms of our deadline, it is now in demand, and that's what it's called. You can still donate. We're keeping it open at least through the end of the season. One of those teams that is uh, maybe not the team everybody expected to still be alive from the MIAC is having a pretty good run, as it were, and, and marching themselves right into the Sweet 16 with a school record 23 wins. 23-5, and five, and they will take on number 12 Marietta, that game to take place at Augustana in Rock Island. We figured it was about time we go back and visit with the St. Olaf men's basketball team. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is our head coach, Dan Kosmoski. Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville, sir. Dave, thanks for uh, inviting us back. And it's it's uh, uh, a nice time of the year to to have our eyes uh, set on, on what's in front, and that's the tournament time and, and just a fun time, fun environment. Absolutely. You guys with a big win. Over Ohio Wesleyan to start things, I'll, I'll admit I actually put you down for that win on my Thanks. bracket. Thanks, uh, didn't think you'd get past Wisconsin Whitewater. <laughs> you didn't have to face Wisconsin Whitewater. You ended up facing Defiance. Talk about a little bit of a screwy weekend for you guys. You know, it. it uh, anytime you know, we were in a tournament last year. It was our first first time in 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 our uh, school history, and we lost uh, uh, we lost our first round. I asked the guys that night, you know what. Before we played our first game, you know what? What can we take from last year into this year? And 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 the players spoke up, and it was it was nice to see that that uh, uh, they had the energy. Um, you know, we were playing a team that shot uh, 35 threes, averaging 35 threes a game, and and uh, we're not quite used to that out uh, in the Mayak. And and uh, our players responded well with the game plan. Um, they stayed patient, and uh, you know, like a lot of games, you're going to win them in the last, uh, you know, five six minutes of the game, and, and stay true to what your your game plan is. And and uh, you know, our guys carried that out, uh, made some shots. We shot 70 percent uh, in the second half in the first game. So I know, Dave, anytime you do that and and can play, you know, solid defense, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win. Yeah, certainly a, a well-shot game, 90 points. Not something we see from you guys all that often, though. Certainly against Hamlin, you'd put up 100. You lost to Bethel, you'd put up 95. You're not not known for a high-scoring team, just not usually 90 points worth. Of course, uh, you guys had sat on the bubble uh, after your loss to uh, Bethel in the semifinals, yep. 75-67. Uh-huh. Did you have confidence, though? You were second in the regional rankings heading into that game. Did you have confidence that despite the loss, you guys would still be dancing? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, there, there was some level of optimism, and, and uh, of course, a lot of things have to happen. You know that uh, uh, you can't have a whole lot of at-large bids. Uh, you know, the, the, you have to have some things work out in your favor in regards to some of the, the, the favorite teams winning their conference. And uh, I, I think, like anything, you know, when anybody's at the end of the season, they look at the body, of the work that they've had. You know, our, our uh, we lost to, we, we, we lost four times during the regular season, and, and those four losses were to. St. Thomas, which had been in the top five, eight, you know, pretty much the whole year. Bethel uh, got us uh, two times. So, you know, we didn't have any uh, losses below that. And, and, you know, we had beaten Stevens Point earlier in the season. I think when you take a look at 21 wins and, and being staying near or in the top 20, 25 for most of the season, getting up to 15, I think that uh, that was definitely uh, a part of uh, uh, why we uh, held out uh, uh, optimism. Uh, at the end of the year. 
Uh, certainly uh, a, a good run there at the end. Your only your only blemishes were to St. Thomas and Bethel. Um, I'm kind of curious before we go back to talking about uh, the the run you're having. What yep. was your reaction when you when you heard or saw the shot fall that beat St. Thomas in the first round? Yeah, you know it was. We were actually leaving the floor. We were actually leaving the floor, uh, and. So our players were leaving the floor and already said that St. Thomas had lost at the buzzer. So you, you know with the Internet now and, and uh, electronics, it doesn't take long for people to find out. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think that, that uh, any time any schools get in their, into the tournament, they'd like to see their conferences do well. But it was, like anything else, it was uh, a little bit of a shock. And, and uh, uh, But those things happen in the tournament. you got to come. And, and I think when you get in the tournament, Dave, you know uh, – Past records uh, uh, count little. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, they seed you favorites, and, and sometimes it's, it's more difficult for the, the, the teams at the top than it is the teams at the bottom. At the bottom, there's not a lot of pressure. You can be aiming up, shooting up, and the teams at the top, you know, there, there is a little bit more pressure, I think. When you look, I mean, is that the type of game you can use to your advantage? So it's one of those where you walk into the locker room and go, hey, guys, so St. Thomas just lost to a team no one thought could beat them. We just beat Ohio Wesleyan. Of course, then Defiance goes and beats Whitewater. Is that one of those scenarios where you can go, guys, anybody can beat anybody. You need to bring your A game at any time. Is it almost a helpful wake-up call for your team, even though it didn't happen to you? Yeah, and, and it happened right in front of our eyes, Dave. You yeah. know, we, we, we showered and came up, and, and obviously we knew who the favorite team was with Defiant and, and, and Whitewater, and, and uh, the players were able to uh, – see everything unfold you know defiant put on 55 points in the second half mm-hmm. against whitewater <laughs> yeah. so you know it it you can get on a run it might be a couple three plays the, the bad plays that all of a sudden you you bust a three or whatever you look up at the scoreboard you're down eight or nine and and then you start to force some things and it just sometimes those things can just kind of uh uh, uh snowball and and so the players were able to sit and, and take a look at that and and uh there was no you know, relief in a sense. Boy, we got to play. You know, we get to play uh, defiant. You know, they they good gracious. You know, their guard had six of eight from three, and and yeah. and and three of those were from the D on the Dave Van Mueller f- floor. You know, they were twenty <laughs> they were twenty six feet out. So, you know, uh, it, it was it definitely uh, I think uh, just uh, confirmed what you were talking about in regards to hey, you can get out here and, and anything can happen in this tournament. Of course, you put up 90 against Ohio Wesley, and you only put up 68 against Defiance in a tough battle with them. And, of course, they only put up 63, and you just point out they put up 55 just in the second half against Stevens right. Point. What was right. the difference for you two, your two teams in that game? How did, how did defense all of a sudden rear its head? Maybe a combination of things. Maybe both teams playing that second game. You know, the next day, I'm not, I'm not saying that both teams were tired by any means, but, you know, we held Defiance to 26 points in the second half. So I think so much of it, as in anybody in the tournament, is, is about matchups. You know, how do you match up against the other team? You know, and it happened in our league during the year with, with Bethel. The matchups were, were, were challenging matchups. And sometimes you get against a team that they're either big and, and, or they got, you know, two guards and three forwards. They got four guards and a post. And how do you match up against them? And, and uh, you know, and, and obviously having some type of, of game plan and having your players carry out defensively what you think you can do to slow them down. And, and uh, you know, our guys were able to do that. And, and uh, like I said, you know, we held them to 
26 points in the second half, and we shot 60% the second half. Um, you're going to take on a Marietta squad that I would argue you probably are not that familiar with. You're only 883 miles apart. The chances of you guys facing off in a regular season, unless you end up at the same tournament, are pretty slim and none. Um, what, what have you learned about this squad um, that you've seen in the in the you know, week so far between games at video, and, and what do you think you can take advantage of? Well, any time a team scores 121 points and goes 21 <laughs> for 40 from three, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's you something know, first, to keep in mind, right? First, you got to laugh a little bit, you know. And that sure. Is, that's, that's, and, and that is something, obviously, to be concerned with, you know, that, that obviously they shoot the, the, the three, they shoot it well. Uh, I think if we, we back up to the team we played uh, uh, the first game, uh, Wesleyan was averaging 35 threes a game their last three games. So, you know, we, we know they can put points on the board. We know that they got fast pace. They're, they're, they're fast pace. We know that all five of their players can shoot the three. We know that they can, they can defend. They're, they've only lost three games. So, obviously, you know, they're a top team in the country. And, and uh, you know, we, we just like uh, uh, the coach from, from Marietta is watching our, our tape. We're watching theirs and trying to, trying to find out, you know, what, what a weakness might be or what we can do to offset some things offensively and defensively. And, and uh, obviously, they're a very good team. And they've, they've, They've got a strong four and five. They they really work the ball high low. They really work to get the ball in the block, and it's it's unlike, really unlike the past two teams that we played. So each team brings you a little bit different dynamics in regards to what their offense is, and that's the fun part of basketball. That's the fun part of coaching is getting your team to make those adjustments to see what we can do to to beat Marietta. Uh, t- talking to Dan Kosmowski, the head coach of the number twenty fourth ranked St. Olaf Oles, who are heading to Augustana to take on Marietta. On Friday evening, um, Coach, obviously probably a big buzz on campus. The team is certainly having a tremendous season building off of last year. Now you guys hit the road, and I would argue not that not that far where you can't get some fan support to get to Rock Island. Um, what's the reaction been on campus, and do you think you'll get it there uh, this weekend? Oh, yeah. You know, it, it – uh, um... You know, big buzz on campus, and and uh, uh, it's fun for the players. Uh, it's real fun for the players because it's it's a recognition of something that they've done well uh, over the course uh, of the year, and and the hard work, the dedication that they've put in. A lot of people are recognizing it. A lot of people uh, have have uh, have congratulated them uh, amongst a lot of things going on in campus with with students decorating this and that, and and. Uh, you know, and, and springs in the air, which is kind of the, the the tournament flavor, and and you're in the Sweet 16, and and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's it's got a fire for the alumni. Like probably I was talking to the coach from Marietta. Uh, you know, how many emails, how many texts have he had? To, has he had to answer in the past? You know, and that's great. You know, that's what we do. That's why we do it. We we do it for. To, to for the school. We do it to bring pride to our schools, and 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 it's fun to do it. Uh, it's definitely time-consuming for the coaches, but that's okay. Um, the trip's about five, five and a half hours, depending on uh, the mode of transportation. It's not exactly the easiest trip. You're going to have to jump off the interstates at some point and take U.S. roads, which takes you through some <laughs> small towns, so it's not going to yep. be the easiest of trips. But how do you kind of get the team prepared for I mean, obviously you were on the road last week. 
um, to Wisconsin Whitewater, but how do you get the team kind of prepared for what the expectations now are? You guys are playing, as you pointed out, well above uh, where you have been before. No one's kind of gone down this road at St. Olaf. Right. Yeah, it, it's new road. Uh, I think the la- last week definitely prepared us for this week, you know, not knowing kind of what you're going to get into. You know, there was a good buzz in the in the gym in Whitewater and in a, in a packed house and and. And then the next day, uh, you know, Whitewater lost. It was an empty gym, you yeah. know. And so you played in front of a packed house. You played in front of an empty gym. You know, uh, Dave, first seven of, I think, our first eight games or seven of our first nine were on the road. You know, we opened up the season with an exhibition game against a Division Two team on the road. We won a double overtime. You know, I, I, I think our schedule, four of our last six games in our conference were on the road. Uh, you know, so – Playing on the road is, is, you know, this team is, is definitely road-tested, and they're, they're a tough, tough bunch of uh, young men. And, and, you know, I don't think there's uh, uh, an over-concern that all of a sudden we're going into a, a new environment that these men have, have handled that throughout the year. You, you go 10 deep to in, you know, 26 of your 28 games this season. Um, and, and a lot of times when it hits the NCAA tournament, people short, shortening their benches for varying reasons. One, they want to keep going with the guys that, that, that may be the, the top of the team. But on top of that, you have the media timeouts that keep you from having to worry about burning through guys a little bit. You can take, uh, you can take some extra breaks in there. You're still going deep on the bench. Have you, do you want to change the strategy? Has it allowed you to change the strategy, or does it keep going as it is? You know, I, again, I think it just takes a, you take a look at the team that you're going to play. And, uh, uh, you know the team that that, that we're going to play. I know they go ten deep as well, and and uh, they're they're a fast-paced team and and push the ball up, and and you got to be able to to locate these guys in a hurry, and they they shoot the threes. So we'll see where it goes in regards to the substitution. But yeah, the the, the TV timeouts are are absolutely absolutely uh, uh, change the dynamics with with the coaches in regards to the players are going to play. Um, when you look at this, uh, obviously you don't want to look too far ahead, but you have on the other side of your bracket Augustana versus Mount Union, um, and certainly you know it's at Augustana, and I know you're focused mainly on trying to get past uh, Marietta, but on the flip side, you have to take at least a little look at that next game. You're not going to have a lot of time to turn around should you beat Marietta. What are your thoughts on on the opponents on the other side of the pod? Well, and, and we do take peaks, and, and, and right now they're just peaks, Dave. You know, I, 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 to, to sit there and say I've, I've looked closely at, at, at both of them right now. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't uh, expect I, it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not trying to put off because I just, no. got through, I just got through visiting with someone who says, you know, the one game at a time deal, it really doesn't hold true in the tournaments. And, no. and even, even in our league, sometimes you play three days a week. You better be prepared for all three of those, those teams you're going to play at the beginning of the week or, or – in this case, obviously, we have to be prepared in regards to the teams we we play. Uh, you know, Augustana. We played Augustana a couple of years ago in, in a Platteville tournament, and some of those players are back. We we have some familiarity with with those guys just a little bit, and I've seen some tape in regards to you know they're they're obviously strong, big and strong, and 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 strong at all five positions. Uh, and uh, the Mount Union, you know, again. Looking not too far back about the team that we play, uh, Marietta and Mount Union, if I'm not mistaken, you'd have to look at it. But I think between the two teams, Dave, they shot, they made, I think, 38 or 39 threes uh, a couple, three weeks ago between those two teams. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
you know, we'll 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 deal with those if if we get that far. But you know, I, I to sit here and comment on either one of those teams with with uh, with a lot of insight, uh, I, I probably couldn't do that at this time. No, certainly would not expect it. We've learned that yep. lesson over our years of co- of uh, doing the show as well. Um, but make, make no mistake, we've, we've watched, I've watched tape on them both. So oh, sure. You know, yeah, absolutely. No you, you talk about the Mayak schedule, three games in a week uh, sometimes. You, know, you get that Tuesday, then you get that Friday, Saturday, or some combination of, the, of that because it's never as cut and dry. You guys play a lot of games in conference. You're only allowed five games out of conference. You don't play right. the full 25 allotment. Right. Is there anything in the you know in conversations in that conference about trying to change it up a little bit, maybe give you guys a little bit more non-conference action by uh, going with an offset schedule in the MIAC or or doing something to allow you guys to maybe not have three games in a week, for example, or allow you guys to get a little bit more influence. Granted, uh, you and Bethel certainly had good strength of schedule numbers for the most part, but right. a little bit more influence on your non-conference and, and, and how you can um, maybe hedge your bets a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, we, we've gone through that uh, over the past years in regards to looking to a little bit uh, smaller schedule within our conference. It was uh, we had voted upon it and, and chose to stay with what we're at. You know, we we do have 20 games, and and sometimes that's, you know, location where we're at in regards to scheduling. Looking for if we cut it, looking for uh, looking for more non-conference games. Uh, not always easy, Dave. To to all of a sudden, you know, our our our, our neighbors next to us, uh, the WIAC, they've got I think got a schedule in double digits in regards to non-conference and. And, uh, you know, as far as travel and, and expenses, things like that are all uh, taken into consideration. But uh, we've also looked at the point of uh, uh, the possibility of, of, of bumping another game up maybe before the first of the year, which would take a little bit of pressure. You know, we got, I think we play three Monday games. And when you play three Monday games in our league, you're, you're playing Wednesday, Saturday. So, you know, we ended up the last two weeks playing Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. That's how we finish the season. That, that's a lot of games, no question about it. So, you know, like anybody else, the the Mayak, we're always looking to improve, and and uh, and you know, we'll we'll see. There's always every year that's always up for discussion. I should point out, I, I I said not a full allotment of 25 games, confusing you guys with the Midwest Conference there yeah. for no, a moment. Sorry for yeah. sorry for anybody out there who's going. Oh. What is Dave thinking? Uh, <laughs> it's just Dave's got two. Two M starting conferences stuck in his head and combining them into one. Um, well, Coach, I certainly appreciate you taking the time. We're not talking to you live as you, as you obviously the travel to Augustana um, keeping us from being able to do that, but we appreciate you taking the time nonetheless. We certainly wish you all the luck against Marietta on Friday, and should you win uh, the luck on Saturday to get you to Salem, which will be a whole other trip. Um, yeah. But we don't want to look past the Marietta game. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? You know, it's 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 this is this is what you work hard for all year and and I'm so proud of uh, of my players and and uh what they've accomplished uh not only this year I think last year set a tone in regards to getting to the NC2A tournament and winning 23 games uh that that's pretty outstanding and and doing what these guys have done and and we lost we lost eight seniors from last year so credit to this team uh, in regards to what they've done and and hope we can keep it going well, well put, Coach, and good point on the uh, seniors and certainly playing well. We wish you luck, as we mentioned. And uh, thanks. Safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. 
Sounds good. Thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Dan Kosmoski joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. The Oles of St. Olaf again, 23-5 and overall. They are taking on Marietta, the 12th-ranked team in the country. Uh, that game is scheduled for 5.30 Central Time, 6.30 Eastern Time at Augustana in Rock Island. The winner will take on Augustana versus Mount Union, that game to follow on Friday. And, of course, the Elite Eight game will take place on Saturday. When we come back, plenty more coaches ahead and interviews to be had. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the City of Salem. You can get tickets to the Final Four in men's basketball at NCAA.com slash tickets. Um, and, of course, viewers like you. More Hoops Hill right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title, to become NCAA National Champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia, hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our show here on Thursday the 12th as we get ready for sectional coverage. Um, certainly plenty of uh, action to talk about. 16 teams uh, on both the men and women's side, 32 total, uh, at eight different sites. Lots of basketball to talk about, and we are covering it here on the show. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, one of the teams we have certainly had our eye on in the East region has been St. John Fisher. They have certainly had a terrific season. Uh, that season rewarded with being able to stay at home the opening weekend. Got a big win. I wouldn't say it was an easy home weekend necessarily, but it got a big win over WPI before unceremoniously showing Amherst the door, uh, as it were. Amherst taking a seat in the second round and St. John Fisher moving on. They now have a big matchup coming up here on Friday night at Randolph-Macon against Randolph-Macon. And before they got on the bus, we figured we should talk to their head coach. This time we can see him. We certainly tried this last time. We got it to work this time. And now joining us on Skype is uh, Rob Corniker from uh, St. John Fisher. Coach, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks very much for having me, Dave. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I should point out last time we never brought it up, but many people might go online and see a lovely picture of yourself as all coaches have their headshots, mug shots, however you want to call them on there. Well, it doesn't look like you now. You've got the full beard going. Um, so this is something new for the season. I'm suspect suspecting you're not screwing up on the suspic uh, the uh, superstition either. 
Well, I'm I'm definitely very superstitious, and uh, I've had this since the beginning of the year. You know, we did this no shave November like everybody does, and yeah. uh, it takes me a little bit longer than most people to to get where I'm at. So uh, I decided to keep it. We were winning some games and uh, having a pretty good year. So uh, I'm just gonna roll with it. Why ruin a good thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and a good thing it has been. You guys are 25 and four. A little bit of a stumble uh, on the way in, as it were, finishing up the season. You guys had two losses in the first four of the season. We talked about that last time. But you lost to Alfred and Stevens uh, in mid to late February. Certainly wasn't the the results I think you were looking for there. Um, Both games, of course, on the road during a tough three-game stretch. But you you probably got, as most coaches I probably know, you probably got a little bit nervous at that point. Yeah, you know what? We knew those games were going to be hard, and they just happened to come at uh, at the end of the year, all on the road. You know, Alfred, we had to play again in the conference tournament. They're very good. They're tough. At Hartwick and at Stevens is a really, really tough trip. You're on the bus for 15, 16 hours in a, in a two-day stretch. So it was going to be hard. I thought we played, we battled, you know, we played well defensively. We just didn't make a lot of shots, and uh, I think – you know, they were ready for us. So uh, we were fortunate enough to have sealed up home field or home court advantage. And uh, But it was tough. It was definitely a tough way to end. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we regrouped. Yeah, you re- regrouped quick. You got a big win over Ithaca, uh, pretty much handled them by 15. You then beat Alfred by um, by 15 as well to clinch the, 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 the automatic bid. Were you at all nervous probably weren't but were you all nervous that you were putting yourself in a tough spot if you had to hit the bubble yeah you know you never know of course um our region is probably not looked upon you know really positively you know we haven't had a lot of success in the ncaa tournament as a region in the last uh years so you know you you always want to put fate in your own hands i guess and and if we didn't take care of business there you know who knows what would happen i thought we had a good chance but I certainly thought we'd be on the road. Um, obviously, you want to play at home. So, yeah, it, it's always nerve-wracking at that time of the year. I'm talking to Rob Kornicker here via Skype uh, before the team boards the bus. This is not live during Hoopsville. They are already down in Randolph-Macon by the time this airs. Of course, you guys got the draw of being at home, which is always a nice benefit. You certainly want to have the games uh, come through Pittsburgh if you can. Um, but on the flip side, it's not like you got an easy draw. WPI is, I would call, sneaky good. Um, they're, you know, they got in as an at-large and ba- basically at the skin of their teeth due to criteria. And then, of course, you lined up against Amherst, who you certainly know well as well. First game, though, WPI, um, quite a battle, six-point win. That one came right down to the wire. Yeah, you know what? Well, I watched them on film beforehand, and they definitely looked like the best team we had played up to that point. So. I knew we had to play well. We really shot the ball well in the first half, and that kind of carried us over. But they're just long at every spot. They play hard. They're well coached. Um, you know, and we were lucky to hang on. We we were, they cut it to two late, and one of our seniors, Chuck McVeigh, hit a big shot at the end of the shot clock to kind of carry us over. But uh, they they were very good. I wouldn't want to play them every night. Well, luckily you only had to play them once and beat them once to move on. You, of course, then got Dave Hickson's Amherst Lord Jeffs, who had gotten to the championship game yet again in the NESCAC. And, and I say unceremoniously to show them the door. I mean, 17 points. That game was 
probably the one I finally gave up watching in terms of live stats or video about midway through the second half when there were all these thrillers going on. You guys had that seemingly in the bag and in control for quite a while. We played well. Um, you know, our guys were really excited to play them because of their history and you know how successful they've been. And uh, I'm, I don't think we've ever beaten them. We haven't played them a lot, but the games that we have played them have been in the NCAA tournament down at their place. And uh, you know, we had a really good team in 06, I think, and they smacked us pretty good. So our guys knew that history, and, and they were hungry to play. And you know, we again, we just played really, really well. We played a complete game. We defended very well, and we shot the ball very well. And uh, I'll tell you this. I, I mean, they're obviously a really good team, but they were a little young. Um, and if you, if you know them or follow them, you know that they got some freshmen and sophomores playing some key spots. I, I would think in another year or two, they are probably going to be right back at the top of the country. They are very talented. And uh, like I said, we just played maybe the best game we've played all year. Amherst in the Final Four has become synonymous, and you certainly yeah. ended that. But you guys played well the weekend. 13 of 17 from beyond the arc, 68% from beyond the arc for the entire weekend, 13 for 17 on Friday. Um, you guys shoot well in general. What, third best in the country uh, at 50.3% um, from the field? You guys certainly are a very good shooting team. That's got to be a nice benefit. Yeah, um, we haven't been in years past. So, you know, sometimes that keeps us in games. It's funny. We started the year. We talked about last time I came on how we wanted to be a better defensive team. You know, we, we lost a couple games last year, 82-80. Um, Alfred was playing a little bit differently. They were playing kind of the Grinnell up and down. I think we lost that game at the buzzer, 101-99. to So our goal was to be better defensively, and then here we are having nights where, you know, we're shooting the ball the way we are. Um, a lot of that, I have an assistant coach, Sean Coffey, that he really calls all of our offenses and runs the offense and does an unbelievable job. And uh, I think it kind of rolls with that where guys, you know, they make a couple shots and people feed off of it. And the next thing you know, have some confidence. And, uh, you know, we hope, yeah, that's why I said that our reward for winning uh, two really big games and against two great programs is traveling down to play the number one team in the country. Yeah, you certainly don't have the easiest route, though. Some some of the Central would argue they don't have one easy, but I don't think anyone honestly has an easy route this year. It is just one of those tournaments. Um, we look at the fact, too, though, you know, as much as St. John Fisher has a storied history, this is the 14th time that the program has been to the uh, to the Sweet 16, It in 15 appearances all in all, you guys haven't been to the tournament since 07. So it, it's been eight years. Um, you know, I'm sorry, Sweet 16 since 07. You haven't been to the yeah. tournament uh, since 2010, which has been five years. That So in some senses, this is all new. Maybe not for you, but for, for the team and, and for the, the, the maybe the atmosphere on campus. This is kind of a, a, a new border, as it were. Absolutely. Um, honest truth is I am uh, I'm enjoying this a lot more than I had in the past. I think, you know, when I started coaching, you know, we were really good. We had great teams, and we, we, we won big games. We had Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, but it was always about the next game. Yeah. It was always about, you know, what can we do the next year? And now not having been as successful as we had been in the past, uh, I kind of have enjoyed it, and um, I'm rolling with it a little bit more. I think our guys are, and uh, 
I'm just thankful, really, and, and kind of more humbling that we're back where we are, having been here. This is now my 14th year, 15th year. We're not going to talk about the fact that the record in the Sweet 16 has been a little bit rough. <laughs> been to one Elite Eight, have not been to the Final Four. To get either of those two things accomplished this season, though, you're guaranteed you're going to have to run through a tough team. You start with Randolph-Macon. We'll talk about the atmosphere in a minute. Number one team in the country, though everybody seems to have an argument for number one this season. You've seen them on tape by this point in time. I have a feeling the bus trip's going to be filled with more tape. What what do you what do you think of of the Yellow Jackets? What do you think you're going to need to do without giving too much away? I realize to to pull this one off. I mean, they're excellent. They're 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 just you know a really 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 good team. The thing that strikes me is is they have a ton of pieces. Um, if someone gets in foul trouble, there's someone on the bench that's coming in, and and there's no drop off. So. You know, while they have guys that they don't really have someone who's averaging 22 or 23 a game, but again, I, I think those teams are the better teams. When we were doing the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight way back when, that, that was kind of how our teams were. So the next thing you know, if someone's not having a good night, they're bringing their seventh or eighth guy in, and, mm -hmm. and he's just as capable as one or two. And their point guard is, I mean, he's tremendous. Um, he kind of makes them go, we have to play well. I'm not... You know, our guys don't even know what it's going to be like when we get down there. We played down there, and they were on break uh, back in, actually, our lead eight team. And that was one of our four losses that year. It was a great game. We played well. Um, they beat us in a tight one at the end. But they didn't really have any students there, and the place was packed, and it was a great atmosphere. Um, their administration does a great job, and uh, you know, we're, we're just thankful to be there, honestly. Like I said, I don't. I don't think too many people are going to give us a, a huge chance in this game. Um, so hopefully we'll play loose. We'll make a couple shots and, and make things is interesting. But no doubt we got to play really, really well to beat them. Well, you talk about the atmosphere, and thank you for the great segue. Uh, whether their students are on campus or not, we already know it's a sellout. Uh, well over 1,400 will be packed in that gym. They've got a split session because yeah. of the demand for the game. Um, the first game will be at 5. Your game will be at 8. How do you prepare your team for something like that? I mean, not only is it the Sweet 16, which none of them have experienced, being the NCAA tournament, of course, none of them have experienced in general either. But on top of that, they're going down to one of, probably one of the more uh, famed environments in, in Division Three, at least on the East Coast. Um, is there any, I mean, are you doing the NFL trick? Are you grabbing some speakers, putting them in practice, and just blaring loud noise? Or how do you it's, get them ready for what will certainly be uh, probably one of the better experiences in Division Three? Yeah, and that's kind of what we're looking forward to. You know, our guys are they they it, it, and I don't want to. This is not comparing it to a high school, but I think a lot of them were probably used to playing in those kind of atmospheres where the student sections were kind of crazy and people dressed up and. Um, so I think our guys will be okay with that kind of stuff. I think one of the things that might help us is the fact that we do have those media timeouts. You know, we're obviously not used to playing with those throughout the year, but at least they can come over at the 16 and the 12 and kind of collect their breath a little bit and, uh, and know that, you know, Hey, you're going to, we're going to be able to talk, to but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough atmosphere to play in. They obviously have a huge advantage there, but you know what? It, it's 
it'll be one of the more memorable experiences. Obviously, we want to win the game. We're going to do every, everything we can to win the game. But I'm thinking no matter what happens that our guys are going to walk away from this weekend thinking, you know, this was this was a lot of fun and it was a great experience. Yeah, and if you beat them, of course, you have Virginia Wesleyan or Dickinson on the radar. I realize you've gotten tape. I have a feeling you haven't looked at that tape nearly as much no. uh, as the Randolph-Macon tape. But when you do look at that opportunity, uh, do you see similarities with yourself or do you see similarities with Randolph-Macon? Yeah, I see. I see a little bit more like with Randolph-Macon. Um, Dickinson came down to our tournament a couple years ago when their big kid was a freshman. <laughs> and uh, we beat them in a really close game. And I know Coach Soretti, um just from, you know, we, we'll run into each other from time to time. I think a lot of him, and I uh, told him, he came into my office. I'll never forget this because, I you know, I haven't been doing it forever, but I'm a little older than he is, and I had my family in my office, and he came in my office, and he said, uh, just wanted to congratulate me, and he was very humbling about it, and I, I just, from that point on, I had a lot of respect from him. Because I never, I've never done that myself. Where I go into the opposing coach's office and wish him well and congratulate him on a win. And uh, my, I remember my son was in there and he's like, "Wow, Dad, I don't think you would ever do that." Um, so I learned <laughs> something from him. But I remember telling him that, "Holy moly, you got some really good young kids. I, I don't want to play you." In, in four years. And you know what? Gosh, I hope we do get the chance to play them. <laughs> well, it'd be a great environment to be playing them on in an Elite Eight game in what would be an empty gym, not literally. <laughs> but we go back to the Randolph-Megan game, it's sold out, but that doesn't mean, I mean, you that means you guys sold out your allotment of tickets conceivably as well. So in theory, you should have a pretty good crowd down there yourselves. Yeah, I think they're bringing a bus down they're talking about. It took a little while to get going, um, which is really exciting. You know, our football team's had a lot of success yeah. in the last few years, so we've been able to kind of follow them and watch that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's real, like I said, I, I'm just enjoying it a lot more in the fact that, you know, people are congratulating us. People are excited for us. You know, professors are emailing me, um, those kinds of things where I just probably didn't appreciate, appreciate it nearly as much as I do right now. So, uh, you know, we have some administrators coming down for us. Um, it's it's a good time, and like I said, I, I'm I'm hoping that uh, you know I always say this. I just don't want to get blown out, you know. As as a saying, um, we have to play well, you know. And I and that's my like you said. I'm just hoping our guys don't don't shy away from the big stage, which I don't think they will. We have six seniors on our team that have been playing a lot of basketball. I think they'll play hard and they'll compete, and uh, hopefully we'll give we'll give Randolph making a good game. I think it's interesting. The 06-07 season seems to be the most common here. Uh, your first conference championship since that season. Your first uh, Sweet 16 of your four since that season. And ironically enough, it's Randolph-Macon who you're facing yet again in the NCAA tournament since that season, uh, that 07 season. Of course, that was a low-scoring affair, 59-52. Uh, I have a feeling the way you guys shoot and the way Randolph-Macon plays – I don't see low scoring on this one at all come Friday night. Yeah, well, I, and I don't even – I wouldn't even be afraid of that because, you know what, they, I've, one of the things I'm really, really impressed with them is, is the way they defend and they switch defenses a little bit and they show you different looks and, you know, their strength is just – you don't see a lot of Division three teams as strong as they do. They look like a Division two team. They look like a small Division one team. So, um, you know – 
being able to get some points on them is going to be really important for us. Well, enjoy the trip down. I don't know your exact route, but I have a feeling you'll pass by my house sometime in the evening. So wave. Uh, I'll wave back and then see you this weekend when I'm there for the games. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, it's always great to be on because I know that we're having a good year. And, <laughs> and I haven't been on twice in a long, long time. Oh, no. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are watching? Uh I hope we, like I said, I just hope we go down and we're ready to play and and uh, and our guys really soak in the atmosphere and uh, come away with a really good experience. Very good. Well, thanks, Coach, for taking the time. Uh, safe travels, good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much, Dave. Rob Corniker joining us from St. John Fisher. Team again, 25-4. and four. We'll take on the number one ranked Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets, the 20th ranked Cardinals. Uh, in their fourth Sweet 16 in their um, history and looking to get to their second Elite Eight. When we come back, we have plenty more hoops full ahead, plenty more coaches to talk to regarding games this weekend. You can tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville on Twitter. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and, of course, email Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Thanks for watching this segment of Hoops. We'll be back with Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches, the City of Salem, and, of course, viewers like you. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this jam-packed Hoopsville show on uh, the 12th of March, this Thursday edition. Don't forget, we'll be back on the air Sunday as well, 7 o'clock Eastern time as we recap the sectionals. Uh, we'll get reports from uh, Thomas Moore. We'll get reports from uh, New England and the Boston area. Um, and we'll get uh, my report from Randolph-Macon. That'll cover three of the sectionals, and certainly there's more to cover, and we'll book guests accordingly as well. So at least look out for that. So you'll hear from Thomas Moore's sectional, you'll hear from Babson and or Tufts sectional, and you'll hear from Randolph-Macon and plenty more uh, to cover when we get closer uh, to that date. Of course, stay with Twitter uh, to find out who we have for guests at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also on Facebook find out what we're doing, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And if you have questions, use those mediums or use our email address, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. 
Uh, one more guest before we wrap this show up today. Um, we'll do the this segment, and we'll come back and answer any of your questions. Uh, the one more guest is our uh, is one of the higher ranked and undefeated teams on the docket today. The number three George Fox women's basketball team, who on these weekends tends to get very used to travel. Uh, a couple of years ago, last time they were undefeated and made a run for the national championship. At this point in the season, they took a trip from uh, the great Northwest all the way to Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia. Um, to play at Mary Washington. This time, not going that far east, but heading to Grand Rapids. And we figured it, it might be worth talking to their head coach. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Michael Meek from the George Fox Bruins. Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville, sir. Dave, thank you. Thanks for having us on today. Uh, excited to to be on the show and, and in, in this position. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know travel has certainly been a little bit challenging. Of course, you guys knew you were going to be hitting the road, or in in your essence, the air, um, to uh, get get this all taken care of. Only because curiosity is my is one of my downfalls. <laughs> maybe I'm kind of curious where, what the travel plan was specifically. Oh well, uh, you know, it, it definitely was. Uh, it's tough just to to find things when you're you're <laughs> getting it late time and. Uh, you know, with a short time to prepare for a trip. So we actually were, were split up a little bit as a group and uh, went to different places where we all had layovers and uh, and then, you know, headed on to Grand Rapids. And, um, you know, all, all made it here safely, but it was a really long day of travel. And uh, we, we, you know, we, we, we actually didn't know we would be traveling. So, um, you know, that, that was a little disappointing in itself. So. Well, um, so you guys all did fly into Grand Rapids. You didn't fly into Chicago or Detroit and have to bus over. So that's at least a benefit. Yeah, yeah, that's what we ended up doing. We re- we actually did talk about going to Chicago and busing from there, and we were able to kind of work it out with different routes to all get into Grand Rapids together. And all, all arrived about the same time. So as far as some of those logistics, it, it worked out fine. Great. I know you guys are disappointed you couldn't get out there, but uh, the reality of the NCAA, three flights to you or one or two flights to Grand Rapids, I think the math probably worked itself out, but you were holding out hope maybe? Yeah, you know, I think it's something I think this is, you know, for George Fox, I think it's the eighth time that they've made it to the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we're really hoping one of these times we get an opportunity to host, and I think just uh, we, we just have such a great environment for women's basketball, and uh, you know, but we we also were realistic about the you know of what has happened in the past and um, and in the flight situation and things like that. So uh, didn't didn't know we'd be heading heading to Calvin. Um, you know, with the fact that they're hosting all the way through was was a little bit of a surprise in itself. But uh, you know, awesome facility and and they they've had a great year. So we're we're definitely excited about the opportunity. Of course, I think you were uh, yeah you were head coach obviously the program back in 2012 when you guys headed all the way out to. Fredericksburg, Virginia. It's certainly a little bit of a shorter trip this time, but the mission is the yeah. same. The mission is to, in this sense, get yep. back to Michigan because, ironically enough, you got to Holland, Michigan, thirty minutes away, uh, <laughs> yeah. to try and play for a national championship and got to the championship game. Uh, this time around, you guys are are hoping to almost stay in Grand Rapids. We'll talk about that later, but obviously the mission's uh-huh. the same. You got first a, a almost uh, maybe a. a a team that maybe you don't know as well, despite the fact you certainly took on uh, a Texas team earlier this season in, Ch- in Trinity, mm-hmm. Texas, but you're taking on Texas-Dallas this time in this game. How have the preparations gone for that this week? Well, yeah, I mean, they're, 
you know, a great team. And I, I think all the teams that have made this far have, have done something throughout the year to get to this point to to make them a great team. So, um, you know, they're, they're very athletic. They, they have some great guard play. They have some kids that have really shot the ball uh, at a very high rate from the three all season and, uh, you know, athletic inside play as well. So just a, a very well-balanced team. And, um, you know, I think the, the benefit of playing in the Northwest Conference is, you know, we we unfortunately have to travel some to get these Division three games. So we're used to going on the road and uh, we're, we're used to, you know, playing a lot of really good teams. We, we had an outstanding non-league schedule this year as well. So uh, I, I think we'll, we're well prepared for it. Um, but we also know that we've got a tough opponent to look forward to as well. Um, that's the interesting factor here is obviously this is a, a bit of a no, no uh, familiarity. And, and you talk about the fact that a lot of times at this point in time, and really it's already been a topic of conversation on the show, that it becomes an unfamiliarity. And that's kind of the cool thing about the national side of yeah. things. But but so how much can you really learn on tape? And I and I mean that in a in a serious sense. You can watch a team, see yeah. their moves, and all that. But really, it doesn't tell you the, the the other factors. Really, how big is that size? How good is that talent? Yeah, I, I think that the, you know, there's a lot of things I think schematically that you can really you know look at, and and you can get really a good sense of what they're trying to do, and um, you know how they're trying to play offensively, what type of team they are, as far as if they're a half-court team or a transition team or a pressing team. I think you can learn a lot from film. Uh, I think, you know, we've got a lot of good insight on them and how they like to play. But, but you are correct in the sense that, it, you know, from a film standpoint, it's, it is harder to tell, okay, how, how tall are they really, how, how fast and how athletic. I mean, they look really athletic on tape. And, um, but, you know, also trying to get a sense of who they're playing and, you know, how, the level of athletes that maybe they will be playing from game to game. And so – there's a lot of variables that are difficult to sense in a tape, um, but then there are a lot of things too that you can you can plan for as well. And we know we've got a really good opponent. Um, we we know that they're here for a reason, and um, you know we we know we've been on the road for these games, and, and to make it out of this type of round, I think, uh, especially going on the road, is going to make it that much harder. And you know, I, I think our kids are. I think that's the one thing being in our league that's difficult is that. You know, we have to travel to get these type of games in non-league, but it also helps prepare us a little bit for the end of the season as well. I know when we talked to you last time, I really I felt horrible for you about that trip to Hawaii. Um, I know that probably is one way of preparing for the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you got sent to Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the sense that it's the polar opposite, literally polar opposite of Hawaii. <laughs> Um, and, and so in some sense, you got snow and, and cold, I'm sure. I haven't looked at the forecast today or necessarily have a bird's eye view of, of, of Grand Rapids on my computer, but, um, how much did, do you guys try and almost force the travel so you're ready at this point in time? You know, we, we just, I, I think again, it's one of the difficulties in our league and our league is just awesome right now. Yeah. And, and just have so much respect for our coaches and, and, and also we would, we would way rather play at home. Uh, I, I think just the, the fan base that we have and the community support, and we really try to do everything that we can to get home games. And I think in the non-league, it's, it's, it's difficult to, uh, you know, to get teams that, that have so many non-league games that are so close to them uh, that, you know, to willing to make that travel to the Northwest and, and even the Skyac, I think in the, in the, that time of the year so 
So from a traveling standpoint, I mean, it's not an ideal situation. You know, we ended up have, having to pick up uh, the Wisconsin games late uh, just to fill our schedule. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, did, it does help prepare us uh, for some of the things that, that, unfortunately, we're seeing in the, in the you know, getting this late that we're, we are having to travel then as well. But also, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's definitely not the ideal situation. And, you know, I think a, a team like Whitworth, who, to me, there's just no doubt should have been in this tournament and, but faced under the situation that you got all these local games that you can play that, that are going to be competitive, but unfortunately they're not D3 games. And I, I think all of us are continually having to rework our schedule to find more and more D3 opponents. Thanks for the segue. Uh, perfectly done, because uh, that's what yeah. my next question was going to be. What was the conversations, if there have been yet, amongst the coaches in the Northwest Conference for the fact that Whitworth was left out with a really solid SOS but played five games oh, yeah. out of the division and, as a result, lost just too many games uh, to, to put themselves in the best position possible with technically only 20 games to count. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think our whole league, honestly, was kind of stunned by it, just just from the sense of knowing how good that team is. I sure. mean, they're an outstanding team. Uh, Helen has done a great job with them. And, um, and, and, and really, from just a – from the standpoint of – sending the best teams and the teams that are the most competitive and they're a team that they're a great team had a great season and um and 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 just flat deserve to be there and and so from that standpoint i think it was really disappointing and uh you know knowing or hearing that that may be the reason that they didn't make it just you know puts that much more of i think a strain on our whole league to continue to have to travel in the in the non-league season and um you know, it's 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 just it's a situation we're in. It's not an ideal situation, but um, you know we're going to continue to challenge each other in our league games. And um, you know, I, I, I you know I say it from the start. I mean, that right now our goal each and every year is just to get through our league um, because mm-hmm. we know that it's 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 going to be such a fight. Uh, Whitman was a was a great team as well, and uh, just just all the way down the line. I mean, every every team we have to play. I think we know we're going to get tested one way or the other, and it very much sets us up for the for the national tournament. I think it's why you've seen our league over the years, you know, do so well when they get to it. I think we've had three teams in the last six years make the national championship game, and 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 knowing that there's really only one that typically gets a chance to go past 32 is is just amazing that we've had three teams that have made it that far. Um, we'll talk about your games coming up in just a minute, but another thought on that whole thing is I know you got um, Trinity, Texas to come to you. Laverne came up the coast to, to play you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the men's side certainly this year had a lot of teams come and visit. You talk about travel, but is there a way maybe the conference starts trying to maybe entice teams to come to them instead? Uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I think like like I heard uh, Bridgeland talk about just the the guarantees that that we have to offer. I think yeah. things that that do help entice, but but again, not not the ideal situation. Sure. And, um, you know, I think that there there are situations too where you know you can travel to a team and that they'll come back maybe the following year. So I think from year to year that may change a little bit where you get teams that are willing to you know you'll come to their place and they'll come back. Uh, but but it, it's difficult. It's it's just a really difficult thing for our league, and I think you could see why. And it's the same reason that um, you know when the national tournament time comes around that we don't get a host that often. If, yeah. if it gets in our case, if at all. So um, you know it kind of plays against us in both both ways. Not only what the challenges of us having to find those games in the non-league, but then 
not getting the opportunity in the national tournament to host as well. So it, it's, it's disappointing, but, you know, we're, we're super excited about where we're at and, and the season that, that we've had to this point, and, and we're hoping to go on and represent our league, you know, well, um, like, like, like it's really been done over the last years, you know, and, um, you know, we're hoping to play well this weekend. And I, I know we, um, you know, with, with the host sites and things like that, we, 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 we've got a really tough battle ahead for sure. I'm sure Pat would say it, and I will definitely say it. You guys are always welcome to come to the D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas. Um, yeah. We'll get you some good competition. Talking to Michael Meek here, the third-ranked George Fox um, Bruins, undefeated at 29-0. and They will take on number 24-ranked Texas-Dallas coming up here Friday evening. The game's taking place at Grand Rapids, which, of course, is the site of the national championship next weekend, following in 10 days or so, uh, really a week if you think about it. Um, coach, uh, you get ready for these games. You do have the travel bug that you have to deal with. Um, of course, last weekend you had to go through Puget Sound for the fourth time, and, and surprisingly, in easier fashion than I think a lot of people anticipated, including your uh, your own broadcaster, Justin Sweeney. Um, I know when I logged in on my way home from a game, I went, that can't be the score. Justin must have said it wrong. Um, were you surprised by that result, or is it one of those things that ever, you play your, each other that many times, somebody's going to have an off night? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I, I have so much respect for that UPS team and just another great team that um, that you know really presented challenges throughout the year. And so uh, I, I don't think you would ever go into a game and, and uh, expect that with them because they're such a fine team and Lori's done such a great job with them. So. Um, you know, it, it was nice from a stress standpoint to, to have a relatively good lead for most of that game. But, um, you know, I, and, and I think on top of it, we, you know, it's being at home and, you know, have the opportunity to play at home. And, uh, you know, I think we shot well uh, in the first half, which allowed us to, you know, get a get a lead and we were able to withstand some of the second half runs. So, um, yeah, I was obviously happy with the outcome. But at, th- at this time, as you know, it's just survive in advance and, uh, at a certain point, it doesn't matter if it was by one or by eighteen. We're just we're just happy to move on. Uh, of course, you took on Penn State Abington in the opening game. Of course, they took the huge flight out to you guys. I'm sure you were very hospitable yeah. until the ball was tipped up. Um, that game was well in hand. After that, um, what was it? What was it like to be playing a team that clearly you would never have played at any other point in time? And how were they? You know, how were they on that trip and, and that experience? Oh, they they were great. I mean, just. Just uh, you know, I, I felt for them for the the travel uh, traveling that they had to do, and um, you know, but I think they were excited about the environment and George Fox being such a great place to play. And um, you know, we we again, I, I, for us, I think from from a program standpoint, we we were very excited to play somebody new. Um, you know, we thought there was a really good chance that Whitworth was going to get in and. You know, possibly they would play UPS and uh, and and we'd play Claremont and you know Claremont team we'd already seen earlier in the year as well. So, it, from from that standpoint, it was it was nice to 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 see somebody new. And I think this time of the year, you just um, it, it, as you know, it just creates so many other challenges when you're playing teams so many times during the season. You just know each other and you know each other inside out, and it it, it almost becomes a, a different type of game. Um, and I and I think the the stresses of the UPS game and a team you know you beat three times and and I, I just re- really was proud of the way our kids handled that and not letting those stressors get into them and just you know kind of 
like we've done all season is just really take one game at a time and in every game's a new opponent and uh, our, our goal is just to go one and all. Uh, talking to Michael Meek here, George Fox's women's head coach, of course, undefeated at 29-0. and And Coach, I know you don't want to look ahead to Saturday should you win on Friday, but I don't have a show between now and Saturday, so I at least bring it up in conversation. Uh, potential, potential on paper, being able to see Calvin on their home floor in a battle of undefeateds. Uh, I, I know you haven't looked at the tape of, of Calvin uh, or their opponent necessarily in um, in DePaul, DePaul as much as you've looked at the tape of Texas Dallas, but I know you've probably peaked because you got to be ready nonetheless, and you and you're used to yeah. playing back to backs in the Northwest Conference. What are your thoughts on either? And by the way, DePaul's got a very good chance of being in that game too of either Calvin or DePaul uh, in the next round. Yeah, should you win? So. Yeah, very much. I mean, I think uh, you know I. In the situation we're in, we're used to preparing for every opponent that we play, and usually it's just two for the week. Um, in this case, we, we really are trying to prepare ourselves in three, with you know, for three, and really just taking one game at a time. And so we, we you know, our focus uh, right now is on the UT Dallas game and and on Friday, but but have looked ahead just so we're ready. We can't you know just start preparing after that game so uh both teams are awesome i mean there's a reason why they're they're where they're at as well and uh, calvin's an undefeated team you know when being on their home court i know that um you know that 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 is um you know to their benefit for sure and so uh but but they're a great team with with great guard play and, and, and great inside play play they play very fast they play a lot like we do um and and depaws a very controlled team uh you know very well coached they they very meticulous about how they're running their offenses and, and defenses and just really, really sound all the way and um, you know, do a great job of not beating themselves in the way they play. So uh, both teams, I, I think that's going to be a great game on Friday night. And uh, I think if, if we should get by the Friday night game, I think it would be a great challenge either way. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious about something. Should you win both games? Mm-hmm. Um, have anybody thought about the travel and, and whether you will just park yourselves in Grand Rapids? Because I'm, you know, the the the, you know, it's one thing because you're flying that you get back. It's not that hard. Right. However, now you're dealing with time changes multiple times in a ten day span, um, and I'm sure just the fact that you know you're you're going back to a, probably the same hotel and same facility. Anyway, has anyone considered the fact of just staying in Grand Rapids and doing what you can for the next few days before you're going to have to be back? And you're really going to be back even – are you going to be back maybe a day earlier than you normally would be anyway? Yeah, you know, that that's something that unfortunately we have, have to think about. We do have to kind of think ahead on. And, um, you know, again, it's, 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 it's one of those situations you just can't wait to see what happens. Um, and, and quite frankly, it's – Disappointing to even have to think about that because right now we're, we we know we've got our work cut out on Friday yeah. night with with UT Dallas. Yeah. So, uh, but but we've got we've actually really gone back and forth on on what we wanted to do there. Um, I, I think you know we have a coaching staff too that has other responsibilities that sure. they have to take care of, and um, so so right now I think we'll probably if if we'd be uh, so fortunate to to move on, I think we probably would just stay. Um, and, uh, and and really try to minimize the the travel um, in in you know for for a lot of different reasons. Um, but but I think right now that's probably what we would do. But um, you know it, things could change in the next day or two too. And yeah. um, and and so that that we we have had we have had had to have those thoughts. And 
Uh, that is probably what we're leaning towards right now. If we, again, if we'd be so fortunate to get by this round. The NCA would appreciate it. It's two less flights that they have to pay for. Um, yeah. You don't have to send you back and then send you out again. Um, but obviously, class time is also a factor, I know. But in Skype right, technology, yeah. uh, you never know if we can get them into the classroom via a computer. But uh, I was kind of curious because you're basically, it's not yeah. like 2012 where you're out in Fredericksburg and then you had to go to Holland. Michigan, this you're literally going back to the exact same place should you win. And I want to right. point that out. I am not writing anything into the brackets at this point in time. Right. It's yeah. just uh, it's a fascinating thought. Uh, keep us in keep us in the loop as to what you end up doing. Would uh, very be I'd be very fascinated as to what you decide. Yeah. For sure, I appreciate that, and it will be. Uh, you know, hopefully, we get the opportunity to cross that bridge and, and make that decision. But again, we're we're far yep. from that, and we know that the the type of opponents we're up against and and right now we're really just staying focused one game at a time and and you know hopefully we can move on to the next 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 you know final four i mean that would be outstanding for for our kids in our program yeah two games obviously to be played between now and then and, and if yeah. if you can you got to get past the first one first so uh appreciate you at least humoring me with that one um coach uh, i'll let you go because i know you got to still prep for texas dallas and and get the team kind of yeah. situated and you probably have another practice ahead of you uh, I appreciate you taking the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just yeah, I want to thank you again, Dave, for the opportunity to be on. And um, you know, we're 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 just super excited to be here and and to be a part of this tournament. It's just an outstanding tournament and and great for student athletes. And and I know we're 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 excited to go wherever we can go play and. Um, just you know, hoping hoping we can give these teams our, our best effort and, and represent our league and, and George Fox well. So thanks again, and, and good luck to you and the rest of the way as well. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Enjoy the, uh, the experience, as I always say, and uh, we'll look forward to finding out how the Bruins do this weekend. Awesome. Okay, take care. Take care. Michael Meek joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, team is undefeated 29-0. They will take on uh, their number three ranked team in the D3Hoops.com Top 25 entering the tournament. They'll take on the number 24 ranked Texas Dallas squad. That game uh, is first up in Grand Rapids, Michigan on the campus of Calvin College um, at the Van Nord Arena. They will start at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Um, for you on the West Coast, that is a 2 o'clock game. They will take on, the if they should win, or whoever wins that game, will take on the winner of Calvin versus DePaul, that game on Saturday. Uh, of course, the winner will love to stay right there in Grand Rapids for the next uh, few days to then take on um, the semifinals in Grand Rapids at the National Championship weekend. I'm going to take another break. When we come back, we will wrap up this show. So if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Your questions and wrap it up when we come back on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, viewers like you, and, of course, the city of Salem as well. Back with more Hoopsville right after this. Every season starts with hope and a dream to play for the ultimate title to become NCAA National Champions. And you can experience it live at the 2015 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 20th and 21st in Salem, Virginia. Hosted by the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem. Affordable tickets now available. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets today and make a date with champions. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. 
and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this extended version of the show. It is Thursday the 12th, and uh, we are getting ready for the sectionals, which are coming on up starting tomorrow. Lots of games to be played. Obviously, 16 teams on both sides, 32 teams total uh, in 16 games at eight different sites in the men's and women's Final Four. Uh, again, to remind everybody where we'll be, I believe, if I, if I have this all correct, Gordon Mann and Adam Turr. You might know Adam Turr from uh, football. He's been covering a lot of the stuff out of Cincinnati. Done some great stories on Thomas More. Done some great stories on Lauren Hill as well. He and Gordon will be at the Thomas More sectional. Of course, they will get a chance to see St. Thomas versus Hope. Thomas Moore versus Wash U. Talk about an awesome sectional to be at. Got a question from Eric Wood, which I responded on Twitter. What percent chance do you give St. Thomas women's uh, advancing pass this weekend? I gave them 15%, and I'm not basing that on any necessary numbers, but I think they're up against a really tough Hope squad. I think I like Hope, but I wouldn't be surprised if St. Thomas gets past them. But then they're going to run into a Thomas Moore squad or a Wash U squad who is certainly going to be ready. If it's Thomas Moore that's going to be getting past Wash U is going to prove that they're nearly unstoppable. Uh, Adam Turr wrote a great story about the five misconceptions about that team. And one of them is about the fact that Sidney Moss is good, but the rest of her team is good too. It's not just the Sidney Moss show there, despite her stat lines. Um, and so I like Thomas Moore there, so I have Thomas Moore coming out of there, so nothing against St. Thomas. Ironically enough, I have all but Wash U in this, in this quadrant, uh, and I have Thomas Moore coming out of this after playing Hope on Saturday. So we'll see how that translates. Uh, Pat Coleman's going to be heading up to Boston. He's going to go check in on Tufts and Babson. I don't know his schedule and what games he will get to. Don't want to speak to that. Uh, I think he alluded to me about three and a half games, uh, which means he'll get to one pod and then get a half a game at another pod. I don't know his breakdown necessarily uh, on that. Don't want to speak for him. I know he's uh, taking advantage of the trip to go see some colleges as well. But you know, we'll uh, we'll uh, figure out that. But he'll be up there for those games. I will be at Randolph-Macon. Uh, I believe those games are will be posted link-wise soon. Uh, I'll be helping out with that production behind the scenes. Um, trying to upgrade things so you guys can enjoy it uh, a little bit more. A few more cameras, a little bit different angles, that kind of stuff. We'll see how it goes. A reminder, that is a split session game. First one is at 5 o'clock between Dickinson and Virginia Wesley, and then 8 o'clock game between Randolph-Macon and St. John Fisher. Um, 
So if you've got questions for us, we're going to wrap up this show in about seven minutes. Otherwise, uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I have a feeling some of you might be interested in who I think will win games. Last Thursday, we did not do this because, well, we weren't on the air. I was kind of sick at this point in time a week ago. Um, and so uh, we didn't get a chance. Let me just recap on the women's side. First round, I was 26 for 32. And in the second round, I was 10 for 16. So 10 of my teams uh, are still playing. Um, pretty good on the left side. The right-hand side is where I kind of took some gambles and and didn't win them out. And, of course, Dark Horse in Eastern Connecticut ruined those as well. Um, but let's look at it. Uh, I George Fox versus Texas Dallas. I had Texas Tyler. I basically made it a coin flip in that game. Uh, I've got George Fox winning that game. I think the talent of George Fox is just too much. Calvin versus DePaul. I'm going with the upset with DePaul only because of their experience. It's nothing against Calvin. It could be a coin flip in this game. Uh, I just I'm taking DePaul's experience. Their seniors are something like 116 and six with two national. I think two national championships, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you got to love DePaul on that. But I also like the undefeated Calvin playing at home. And I know there's been some discussion about whether they should be playing at home. Uh, you heard um, Michael Meek's point of view on that. Um, a couple days ago, you heard uh, Coach Morehouse's point of view. I'd hope, of course, Hope had been told they weren't going to be able to host those games uh, by the NCAA committee. Of course, the committee has changed in those years. Illinois Wesleyan got an opportunity and just couldn't win to make it work. Um, my argument would be that I think Calvin is is right there and, and deserving. I don't think because you have a championship game on your floor, you should be automatically eliminated uh, from hosting the weekend before. Now there were certainly some factors in play um, that would have been a uh, that would have decided that. Um, but I don't I don't like how. Uh, Calvin would be automatically eliminated because they happen to be hosting the Final Four. I kind of like how they're at least rewarded there. Certainly an argument. You could go gone out to George Fox if you paid for one more flight, but when you're talking about a $2 million uh, deficit going into this year and a number of changes to all championships, it's going to be hard to argue three flights to George Fox. Anyway, I've got George Fox versus DePaul in that game, and i got George Fox staying in Grand Rapids and playing for uh, the championship weekend the following weekend. Montclair uh, sectional, uh, I got this one all but one right. I had NYU playing Salisbury uh, and NYU moving on, but that clearly isn't going to happen. It's going to be Salisbury versus Amherst. Uh, I think Amherst has some holes. I think Salisbury certainly playing well, but I've got Amherst in this one. I think Amherst is experienced. GP Gromacki especially will, will, will end Salisbury's run. Salisbury is also very guard-orientated. Do not have the size that Amherst has inside. I think Amherst is going to take advantage of that. Montclair State versus Bowdoin. I think this is a fascinating game. Uh, some uh, people asked me earlier if I thought Bowdoin had a chance. I think they got a very good chance. Um, maybe a week ago I wouldn't have said that, but I think Stevenson proved that Montclair has got some flaws, that Montclair inside has got some problems, and I don't mean major problems. I just mean ones you can take advantage of in the NCAA tournament. Um, and so despite home court advantage and despite um, uh, full court press for Montclair, I think this is a tough matchup. I'm going to go with what's still on my on my bracket, and that's Montclair State. I'm not going to change that, but I, I, I'm not going to be surprised if Bowden comes out with a win there. Then it's Montclair versus Amherst. I'm going to go with my bracket because I had Montclair defeating NYU. I'm going to go with Montclair winning that one. But at this point, if Amherst gets past Salisbury, I wouldn't be surprised if they can get past Montclair because of their size. And once again, Amherst very easily could be uh, at a Final Four, despite the fact they're not as good a team as those other 
Final Four teams are. Uh, it just may be lining up for them nicely. And again, it's their size inside it with Amherst that I think they can take advantage and make a run, and it could be George Fox versus Amherst. However, on my bracket, I'm going to stick with what my bracket says, and it's George Fox versus Montclair State next weekend in Grand Rapids. On the other side, uh, I got Tufts, and I had it wrong against Eastern Connecticut. Don't don't uh, hate Eastern Connecticut's run here, but I'm going to look back at that Tufts game in November, and I think this Tufts team is even tougher now. Nothing against Eastern Connecticut. I think their seven-game winning streak comes to an end, and Tufts wins that one. On the other one, I don't even have this game. I got this one wrong completely. I originally had New England taking on Cabrini. Instead, it's FDU Florham versus Geneseo. Uh, FDU's, FDU's got a heck of a chip on its shoulder right now. I kind of I like that. I don't know if Geneseo can match the, the intensity that FDU's going to bring to the table. I'll take FDU in that game, and then I'm going to write out Tufts here. Um, I, I just uh, that's what my bracket says. I don't have anybody. I think after you can certainly give them a game, but I'm going to take Tufts on to the uh, championship weekend and ending FDU's run as defending champs. And in the lower right, I already mentioned, I think Thomas Moore comes out of this one. They'll beat WashU, St. Thomas, and Hope. I got Hope winning. And then um, Thomas Moore. So I'll have George Fox, Montclair, Tufts, and Thomas Moore into the Final Four, uh, it, according to my bracket. And so far, that is still... Uh, accurate, and we'll see how far that goes. Got an email before I jump into the men's side. It says, after last week tournament games, when will D3 Hoops come out with their new top 25? I would expect that some of the top 25 who either did not make the NCAA tournament or lost in first or second round games would drop out and Sweet Six teams would move quite move quite a way up. Uh, hoops, I will say this, that the uh, top 25 comes out the Monday after the championships for both of them, so you will see them after the championship games. Uh, don't make grand assumptions that just because a team is in the Sweet 16, they, they make those jumps into the top 25 or, or how high they go. Uh, let me give you an example. Scranton uh, made it to the lead eight. Now, they did end up in the top 10 at the end of the season, but I did not vote them that high. Uh, a number of years ago, because just because you got there doesn't mean I am going to ignore who you may have faced along the way. And Scranton's one win over Middlebury didn't make me think they were automatically a top 10 team. Uh, they had lost to Cabrini by a big margin then. I certainly put them in my top 25, though. They deserve that. I want to say I put them somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. That's a couple years ago. I have a file folder over there that could certainly tell me what I did, but I don't have it right now in front of me. Um, Listen, some teams that lost in the first or second round, who do they lose to? I think that's your bigger factor. St. Norbert's not dropping out of the top 25 for losing in the first round. Plain and simple. Just not going to happen. Um, they're they're going to drop, certainly. But they're not going to, in a triple overtime game against Elmers, drop out of the top 25. Now, Elmers will probably move into the top 25 as a result. Your question is Northwestern. Does Northwestern jump into the top 25 because they got one big win over St. Norbert and then beat a, a certainly tired and depleted Elmers squad? Do, and they lose, let's say, in the Sweet 16? Yeah, maybe they enter the top 25 in that lower range, 20 to 25. But just because you're in the top 16 doesn't mean you automatically go in to the top 16. At least that's my point of view on that. Northwestern will probably get some love. Whether they jump into the top 25 will probably depend on how well they play coming up this weekend, especially on Saturday uh, when they take on, who are they taking on before I forget that one, uh, East Texas Baptist. And, of course, you know they get to the lead eight and they're taking on Stevens Point. It's a tough game. The Northwestern's going to get a lot of love. Um, so we'll see how that all transpires. I'm not a fan of just saying you're in the 16, you're automatically in the 16, top 16 in the country. There have been times... Uh, remember the year that uh, Amherst won the national championship? Um, the team that was not receiving votes was in that game. 
going into that top 25, in that top 25 going into the national tournament, Mary Harden Baylor was not even receiving votes. Not, not one voter had him on their top 25 ballot. They made it all the way to the championship game and lost. They did not finish second. They finished third. The team that finished third, interestingly enough, was the team that they beat. Um, many Or finished second, I should say, was the team that they beat. That's just how it works out sometimes. I think there was one year even there was an argument. Oh, a great example would be Capital. What year was that? Pat would remember if he's watching. I'm not positive he's watching right now. 2008, maybe? Capital made the did not make the NCAA tournament. They were a top 25 team, and I think they finished. You know, it wasn't 08. It was 2002. Um, they had four losses, I think, on the season, and three of them were to Otterbein, if memory serves. I think they were 16th in that top 25. I can look this up later. Going into the NCAA tournament, did not make the NCAA tournament, and then moved up to 8th in the, in the top 25 because, again, their only losses were to the who ended up being the national champs. And so the voters went, whoa, geez, just because you weren't in the top 25 or in the NCAA tournament due to a, let's call it a screw job. I think they deserved to be in there. I, I think they got hosed. Because of that, the voters moved them up to eighth. And I think that's the right vote. I was not voting at the time. But I think that's the right vote. They lost three times out of four to the, to the champs. They're a darn good team. Should have been in the NCAA tournament. So that's how that top 25 can play out. A couple minutes past 10 as we head into overtime, Phil. Let's look at the men's side of things, if you don't mind. We'll take a little time to do that. Let me make sure we haven't gotten any other emails. Last chance at emails here, hoopsville at d3hoops.com um, or Twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Double-check our Facebook, make sure we didn't get any messages there real quick. Did not. Uh, so let's look at the men. On the upper left, it's Augustana and Mount Union. And then it is uh, St. Olaf versus Marietta. Uh, St. Olaf's the only team I got wrong in this grouping. Um, I'm going to stick with my uh, bracketing. Uh, Augustana beats Mount Union. I then had Whitewater and Marietta with Whitewater winning. Now that it's St. Olaf versus Marietta, I'm going to jump on Marietta here. Kind of like the matchup with Marietta. I think they're playing extremely good basketball. Certainly shoot well from outside, which could be Augustana's one fall uh, trick with with Mount Union is how well Mount Union shooting, but I'm going to take Augustana versus Marietta, and just because my bracket says it, I'm going to move Augustana onto the semifinals in the in in Salem, Virginia. However, uh, the way Mount Union and Marietta are playing right now, I would not be surprised if we have an upset here, and one of those two teams is actually in Salem. It'd be kind of cool if Mount Union was there, only because their football team has been there for so often. Mount Union hasn't been this far in the NCAA tournament since 1997. In the lower left, Babson Hopkins, and of course it is uh, Bates Trinity. I did not get Bates or Trinity right here. I had Stockton versus Salisbury. Completely screwed this one up. Um, by the way, in my first round, I was 21 for 30. Second round, 11 for 16. Uh, I'm going to take Babson here, but I'm nervous. Hopkins is playing better than when I put this bracket together. Having seen them in person, I like Babson. I've got them at very highly ranked in my top 25. I think I've got them third. Um, I, but Hopkins is better and has gotten better and continues to get better. And they proved to me that that inside play is better than I was giving it credit for when I saw him a few weeks ago. I think Babson's going to have some trouble here. 
Uh, the outside shooting at Hopkins is at play, but I'm going to stick with my bracket and Babson winning the game. The other one, I can choose whoever I want because my bracket's completely wrong. It's Bates versus Trinity. I'm going to take Bates in this one. I like how Trinity's playing, but Bates got him in the in the NESCAC, and I think Bates is on a roll right now. That win over Stockton, I think, is really rejuvenating him. I'll take Bates just for the fun of it because, again, I don't have either team here. Now, I have Babson moving on. I'm going to continue to stick with that at this point in time, but if, if Babson loses, I'm taking Hopkins. Um, but of course the irony here is, uh, I have Babson all the way to the championship game. I decided to take a flyer on him. Basically, I, I'm, I decided I've been high on them, maybe higher than everybody else. I'm going to ride that wave. And so I'm riding that wave, but I am nervous. I am nervous. Upper right, Randolph Macon versus St. John Fisher. It's Dickinson versus Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, basically, I'm a buzzer beater away from having this as a perfect bracket as I had Albertus Magnus versus Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, I'm going to take Randolph Macon, but in a better game than anticipated. St. John Fisher, terrific shooting team. Randolph Macon's going to have to be pretty darn good on defense and shoot well themselves. Also going to have to get those boards on St. John Fisher, but I'm going to take Randolph Macon because of the atmosphere. This is going to be an awesome game. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere, but I'll take Randolph Macon. Uh, I had Albertus Magnus beating Virginia Wesleyan. Now it's Virginia Wesleyan versus Dickinson. I'm going to ride Dickinson here. I like Virginia Wesleyan's play, but I think they're going to be surprised that Dickinson can play play the same up-tempo style with bigger guys. And I'm going to take Dickinson in a surprise here. I'm going to have him repeat to the Elite Eight and take on Randolph-Macon, but I'm going to ride my bracket here and Randolph-Macon winning it out at this point in time. So again, Randolph-Macon versus Dickinson and Randolph-Macon. Unfortunately for ODAC fans, I do not have a Randolph-Macon Virginia Wesleyan fourth time meeting. Of course, Randolph-Macon's won it three times so far this season, but uh, I think it's going to be an awesome atmosphere at Randolph-Macon. So glad I'm going down there. In the lower right, we've got Northwestern versus East Texas Baptist, Stevens Point versus Emory. Let's start with the no na- the the unknowns, and that is Stevens uh, East Texas Baptist and uh, Northwestern. I'm going to take East Te- East Texas Baptist, not because I don't love Northwestern's story right now, but I kind of wonder if they're out of gas. Heck of a weekend, um, and maybe a lot of expectations. East Texas Baptist got to at least rest at home a little bit last week. I'm going to take East Texas Baptist, but don't go don't get me wrong. I had this game with St. Norbert. Uh, I had St. Norbert beating St. Thomas. So, you know, uh, but I'll take East Texas Baptist. Why not? And Stevens Point versus Emory. I'm going to take Stevens Point, though. Man, I am nervous. I had this game marked down before I watched Emory play in the tournament and come back on Whitworth. The The fact that they had to come back on Whitworth is what makes me nervous about Emory. What makes me nervous about Stevens Point um, is is they are beat up, as Coach Semling pointed out, from their game against Illinois Wesleyan. And Emory is a better team than the then last year they beat Stevens Point, who was a better team last year in by talent. You know, Tillema and and all those other guys on Stevens Point squad. Yes, a more rounded team, but a lower scoring team with with Stevens Point this year. Emory's a more high scoring team uh, than last year. I'm gonna take Stevens Point on my bracket, but man, I could see Emory getting through this game. Uh, I have Stevens Point all the way to the Final Four, where they have never lost, by the way. Once they make the Final Four, they have never lost. My bracket is they have them losing, but I'm also nervous they may not get there. So that's how I've got it. I'm kind of hedging some bets there, but I'm also taking some flyers. We'll see again on the women's side. George Fox, Montclair State, Tufts, Thomas Moore is my pick. By the way, all four of my uh, of mine are still alive. I have Augustana, Babson, Randolph, Megan, and Stevens Point. I have all four of my Final Four alive as well. That never happens to me. I sometimes overthink these things. We'll see if the end of this weekend comes true. And by the way, has anyone noticed what the date is tomorrow? 
We have had a wacky NCAA tournament, especially on the men's side. We have had a wacky basketball season in general, especially on the men's side. And we're playing tournament games on Friday the 13th. I'm telling you now, be ready for some wacky. We're going to get it. I don't think anybody who is hosting games is safe, despite who I picked. Let's see. I picked three on the women's side to get through and all four on the men's side to get through. Now, granted, when I picked, I didn't know who the hosts were going to be. But I'll tell you now, I've got seven of the eight hosts getting through. No way. There is no way seven of the eight hosts are getting through. So I can tell you right now, I am not going to be perfect by the end of this weekend on my Final Fours. Um, It's just not going to happen. It is not going to happen. Going to wrap up our show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, for starters. Let's double-check. I didn't get any emails, by the way. Uh, We did not. Good. I want to thank all of our guests for coming on the show, of course, um, including Stevens Point's Bob Semling. Uh, Salisbury's Kelly uh, Lewandowski. Lewandowski. I want to thank um, Eastern Connecticut's, um, I love the last name, Beerly. Denise Beerly. That's a terrific name. Uh, also thank Trinity's uh, James Cosgrove. Um, also want to thank St. Olaf's Dan Kosmoski, St. John Fisher's Rob Corniker, and George Fox's Michael Meeks. Jam packed show. We will have plenty more on Sunday, a little bit uh, different on Sunday, as we'll get some reports from Gordon Mann uh, and Pat Coleman and myself, of course, from our locations, plus other coaches. And then don't forget, special Hoopsville show on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from Salem, plus reports from Grand Rapids, Michigan as well. That's going to do it for Hoopsville. I want to thank you for tuning in. I'll be back here Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time, as we wrap up the sectionals, start looking up, looking at the uh, – the actually paved road now to Salem and Grand Rapids and who is going to be making that trip plus any other surprises and news of note. I haven't been mentioning this in the last couple of shows and it's mainly because I keep forgetting to do it. I do want to end on this. It's a little strange for me that my alma mater is looking for two basketball coaches. One of them has never done it in my tenure and never done it in its program history. Leonard Trevino resigning at Goucher. If you don't mind me a minute to at least tip my hat to Leonard, he did a terrific job with that program, especially if anybody remembers the Goucher teams in the late mid to late 90s uh, and into the early 2000s, did a terrific job. Has battled a lot of uh, health things that he will never talk about publicly. Other people certainly do, um, but a hats off to him. Listen, program didn't do as well as we had hoped in the last 10, 15 years, but still uh, hats off to the only coach men's basketball has had there. On the women's side, Didi Cotton stepping down. Uh, this is the second time um, that I am aware that um, that uh, that we're looking for a coach in my tenure. Um, D, or maybe it's the third time. Third time, I'm sorry. Third time in my tenure that the women's basketball team is looking for a head coach. Um We'll see what happens. I've heard there's been a lot of a lot of interest in those two jobs, and so a shameless moment here. I'm wishing the best for my alma mater as they look for new coaches. There are a lot of coaches out there. You, uh, uh, a lot of schools looking for new coaches. You can find it all out on the coaching carousel on d3hoops.com. Don't forget to uh, check out d3hoops.com, by the way, also for some terrific articles so far. Uh, catch up and get ready for the sectionals. And, of course, next week we'll have even more as we pave our roads to Salem 
and Grand Rapids. Thanks again for tuning in. Certainly appreciate you taking the time and interacting with us as well. We'll look forward to seeing you back here on Sunday. And if you are at those locations where Pat Gordon and myself will be or others, please take the time to say hello. We always love putting names to faces when we get the opportunity. Thanks for tuning in and watching Hoopsville. My voice is going a little bit here. It's kind of a new one for me. Uh, nonetheless, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches, in part by the City of Salem. Get your tickets for the Salem Championship Weekend at NCAA.com slash tickets. And also by viewers like you who have been so kind to donate money to the Hoopsville Fundraising Project, which has come to an end as a deadline, but is still in demand, which means you can still get advantage and get and take one of those perks and maybe get a Hoopsville shirt or decide one of our guests on the show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you on Sunday night after the sectionals, and I promise you a wacky weekend in Division Three basketball. Good night, everybody.